Again, back to Russian Russian roulette of mm, co-host. No, I don't think that's it. I think no, that's just, not it. Just roulette. Just roulette. Yeah. Yeah. Let, don't kill me. I wasn't advised of that part. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah. Katie's not here because she's being a good parent and doing stuff with her kid. But we brought Corey Martin here. Hi. So Corey Martin yeah. is, is Katie for the night. How's it going, Corey? It's going well. How are y'all? Good. Uh, it's nice to see that you survived South America. I I am still alive. Um. There, there were questionable moments, but I made it back. It so seems, yes, seems like you left a lot of your blood in South America. <laughs> a lot. I, I, I did my part to support the local insect population for sure. They are happy. They are well fed. They are uh, well fed. I was very, very worried for you when you posted a picture and it looked like you had been in a bar fight. <laughs> yeah, I, I. It was funny. I didn't realize that that's what it looked like when I first posted it, and then people were like, "Are you okay?" Your husband's like, "Please don't tell people you fell downstairs." <laughs> <laughs> Just like I just like see him next like every post. I didn't do this. I didn't do this. I know. I know. I I disavow this post. Man, those bugs. Yeah. They, they, I I so I watch like Naked and Afraid when they go down there, and then I watch how people uh, just get like eaten alive, and I'm like, I get eaten alive here. That would fucking right. that, suck. That one last year, that super the one where all the people came back, that yeah. was in Peru, and yeah, they were yeah. destroyed was, after the second day. Yeah, it was like just clouds of mosquitoes just clouds of them even our guide who's from there said it was the worst he's ever seen them. <laughs> of course it was when you were there yep yep and so you're like, you're like no nah, i'm from texas i got this and you're like oh shit no these are worse than ours I did yeah actually. no I, I i definitely went in all cocky like that but yeah not so much i did actually get to see Corey's husband on sunday i didn't see you though i guess he just came to pick that oh yeah up. yeah because i i have covid so i couldn't oh, i had right. to come get a get an enclosure yeah. um and um yeah i couldn't do it so he did it for me. He's he's not she hard to miss. Guy. He's like seventeen feet tall. <laughs> he's yeah. the same height as you. Yeah, he's not that you tall. You see, he's skinny, so, <laughs> so it he looks yeah, tall. He's, he's six four, like you, but he's but it, just, it looks different when you weigh <laughs> right. when you weigh much less than I do. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to go ahead and get our sponsor stuff out of the way. Uh, if you're looking, Katie's on here. So again, if you're looking for a rack or a cage, get a hold of Robert. Lone Star Reptile Racks, lsreptilerax.com, or any Herp Show, other than. Oklahoma, because we're not going to Oklahoma. Uh, got speaking of herp shows, we're going to pull that up. Um, the next one you're going to be at is this weekend in Slidell, Slidell, Louisiana, which should be a good show. That's always a pretty good show. Yeah, yeah, I like that show, and I'm the only one there with racks and cages. So what? What? Yeah, that's a good. I need it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there, there's that, and then the next show is Corey's hometown. Yeah, uh, the Austin show. Off to Austin, mm-hmm. April twenty second, twenty third. Yep, excited about that one. I'm assuming you're vending that one. I will be vending that one. And then the one after that is our hometown show, the Pearland Show, mm-hmm. May 6th and 7th. So, looking forward to that one. That's yeah, me too. I think it's going to turn into a good show. <laughs> it was very busy the first time, and it was just the first time. I think I think there's a, there's a possibility, because really, like I know it feels like it's close to like Conroe, because it's like an hour away, but it, it could be a day away at this point on the other side of Houston. Yeah. Yeah. It's a whole different, whole different group of people, I would imagine, for the most part. Yeah, yeah definitely. People uh, don't like driving through Houston. No. No. No, I avoid it whenever I can. Yeah, Sean started running billboards today. Oh, cool. So That's he's got great. four of them around on the southeast side of Houston, mainly. And that venue's decent. I like it. Yeah. Now, I would have wished they would have built side docks, loading docks or certain thing, but... But they didn't build it for that. They didn't build it for that. Uh, we should have... 
Sean said this weekend, he's like, I have confirmed the parking numerous times. We have the, <laughs> the VFW. Have the, oh, the gosh, VFW. I remember that last time. Yeah. The they VFW were all, yeah. was losing it. Yes. They were yes. starting to tow our cars. And and then uh, the we also have the field as long as it's not muddy. Also surprised the VFW is, doesn't hate us because I filled their dumpsters up with all the trash afterwards. Really? Because we had already filled our dumpster up and their dumpster was across the street. It might have gotten emptied Monday morning and they never even noticed. Hope so, because it was definitely packed. <clears throat> uh, so, yeah, so that's Paraland Show. And then back over to Lake Charles, June 3rd and 4th. Um, Corey, you've never done that one. That no, was before so you. I, I pulled back on shows um, and then realized that I'm trying to do this full time and pulling back on shows <laughs> is not the greatest way to secure an income. So I'm tr- I'm on the wait list trying to get back into a bunch of shows now. <laughs> Corey's like, oh wait, this isn't a hobby anymore. I've got right. to go do like, stuff. Oh, I need to. I I have bills to pay. I need <coughs> to actually make money. So, how's the facility coming along? So, facility is ready. I was supposed to move this past weekend, but got sick and so couldn't move. And um, so it'll be not this coming weekend, but the weekend after that we move all the animals over. Awesome. So really excited, really excited to get in and just I get bet. to work. Yeah, yeah. But, but you went the wrong way. You're getting more and more lizards. I'm getting lots of lizards. I love, I don't know what happened to me. Every time I get online, it's like, oh, look, Corey's got another trio of whatevers. I'm like, well, fuck. I know. <laughs> Stop I'm, it. I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with like, so it's all, it's all dwarf monitors and tree monitors and yeah. I'm just crazy. But it loses being a dwarf when you have like 20 of them, like that, that equals full size monitors at that point. Well, food wise, sure. <laughs> but they're, they're so fun. They're like, they're little and cute. I and some of them are friendly. I do. I do want some Kimberly rocks. Yeah, I don't. I don't have any Kimberleys. I have Pilbara rock monitors, though. We talked about that, though. I think yes. didn't we? Yeah. Uh, uh, so yeah, and I'm, I'm going <clears> to <throat> be getting king's eggs really soon. My That's girl's cool. like ready to drop. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Those are the ones. Uh, no, I'm thinking of the uh, yeah, the king Those are the ones that you yeah, have the, the, the leucistics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That'd be cool. Yeah. Uh, so after Lake, Lake Charles is June third and fourth. Right. That'll be that'll be a good one. I'm interested to see going back to that because Lake Charles used to be a pretty decent show. Uh, Conroe is July or June tenth and eleventh. Then Shreveport. This is the first time in Shreveport on June twenty fourth and twenty fifth. If anybody's used to the uh, Longview show, this is taking the Longview show slot, which I think is actually a, a better move towards Shreveport. There's more people in that direction. <laughs> and if you've ever been to Longview, I'm not talking bad about Long. I, I am talking bad about Longview. It sucks. <laughs> Uh, it's Longview. It's it sucks. God, it sucks. The only the only thing vendors were like, you know what? I can't wait to go because of the grilled cheese. That was it. That was that was how excited people. Oh, got. that grilled cheese was good. But that was it. That was the excitement. Yeah. And then once you had the yes. grilled cheese, you're like, oh no, wait, I'm still in Longview. Yeah, uh, and the uh, Tuscan pig. Oh, Tuscan pig was pretty good. Pretty oh, good. that yeah, Tuscan pig is. Yeah. Okay, is it bad that it's only the food that we're interested in? Like, pretty there's much. No, we're there to make money and. <clears throat> Yeah, that food. never happened. Yeah, okay. I, well, I say that. My first show the ever first was Longview, and I sold out. But it was literally a truck bed full of stuff. And you sold to all of the reptile people in Longview, and, it was and now the, they're done. Well, and it was the first post-COVID show. Oh, yeah. It was only the second post-COVID herp, COVID herp show. Conroe had been, like, the weekend before. So everybody, I had people driving from, like, Mississippi and stuff buying racks. Oh, wow. Because they hadn't been able to get anything in six, eight months. And then we came crashing down to this. And this sucks. We all sigh. <laughs> um, and then Slidell, back to Slidell, July twenty second, twenty third, and then Oklahoma City. It's it doesn't matter. It's June, July twenty ninth, and thirtieth. It's in Oklahoma. 
So uh, have fun with that. All I remember last time I went to Oklahoma was seven trillion flies. Corey, you weren't at that one. I've I've never been to Oklahoma. They had, had a rodeo, <clears throat> and they had scooped all the shit into one place. And apparently, right by the venue, and it was sitting there for a week. It's a great place to raise flies, and I mean, they were every and like not small house flies, massive house like like huge. I went to Harbor Freight and bought two two electric fly two electric fly swatters, and James just walked around two electric fly swatters, zap zap zap, thousands wow. of flies in the venue, inside. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. No, this was inside. Oh my lord! Yeah, it was. Uh, oh, like the people that have mammals were miserable. True. Yeah. They- Flies all over the mammal. Cage. And we were right next to the gl- all the sugar gliders. Yeah, so I, just across, just, I would just go across the cages and kill them. Like, literally, he would just swipe atop the sugar glider cages, and you'd hear pop, 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 like 15 at a time. Yeah. Yeah, and then I was shocking my kid with it. it <laughs> well, sure. I mean, that's... <laughs> so Randy said he wants to hear about Corey's trip down South America. We'll talk more about that later in the show. We'll definitely talk about how Corey survived. And if y- And if y'all found anything. Yeah, we can talk about that. Besides, for sure. besides mosquitoes, we definitely found this. <laughs> um, and then also a shout out to <laughs> Wiregrass Exotics. If you're in South Alabama, Wiregrass Exotics, check them out. And then as well as VivTech, I forgot to shout out to VivTech last week. Don't forget VivTech. If you need to save money on your LED UVB bulbs, use code Gumbo22. Go do that, please. They okay. have their they have their jungle cover ones back in stock finally. So oh, good. bam, yep. see people need to go get them. Uh, yep. And then use our code because then it helps us out. But I, I just want to again say thank you to all of the listeners because last year, uh, y'all crushed it using our code. We were uh, we were number one in, in people using our code for VivTech. So amazing. Whoop whoop. So go get your bulbs. There's uh, our friend Lee. Oh look, there's Lee ready. Lee was my neighbor this weekend at the show. The person Lee and Amanda responsible for me having to get a whole bunch of shit for a chameleon ready. <laughs> Thanks Lee. Thanks Lee. Uh oh, and um, I do have a sponsor for next week for next month. Uh, we'll talk about it for our giveaway. It's our friends, Colossal Constrictors. We had them on before. We're going to be giving away another Herbstat thermostat. So listen for that next week. Uh, be paying attention to the Facebook. We'll be giving a Herbstat thermostat away next month. I just got to figure out what we're going to do for the giveaway. But we are giving it away. Well, they're giving it away thanks to Colossal Constrictors. So let's go ahead and get to our guest while I quit rambling. Yeah, let's get to the guest. Uh, so our guest, we bring him in. It is Mr. Bill Stiegel of Phoenix Reptiles. How's it going, Bill? <coughs> Hey guys, I don't feel like a guest. I feel like we're in the family. It's I've, <laughs> it's been forever since I've seen you at a show, but <laughs> the last time I saw Bill was at a Longview show. <laughs> oh, wow. I was I was gonna say I love Longview. I love going to Longview, but I was getting uh, a little jealous listening to all you guys show talk because I've really been slow on the uh, uh, vending the show since COVID. Yeah, um, you know, it's just it's, it's it's hard. It's it's hard for me. I mean, I love the Herb shows. I love Sean and Lori. I, I, I mean, I think they're the best in the business, and I've enjoyed. I mean, I've vended not not all of those the Herb shows, but I've vended a lot of them uh, pre-COVID, and uh, I miss doing it. But the fact of the matter is, is my wheelhouse is so. I'm on such opposite ends of the spectrum, like my ball python stuff that I absolutely love and I bend. It's not worth me taking and paying and going down and selling blue-eyed lucies and pies in San Antonio. You know, when I can bend multiple expos here just locally in the Dallas area. Oh, yeah. To do do that, you know. Yeah, yeah, you know, and I love doing that. And I I love entry-level 
people and keepers, and I really, really enjoy that aspect. But it doesn't mean I want to travel four hours each way, spend the night in a shit hotel. Lose <laughs> you your entire weekend, <laughs> your entire week schedule thrown off. Yeah, yeah. It's more than just a weekend. Literally, as you know, it, 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 it involves a day or two on each end of the weekend. And I mean, it's tough. It's hard work. People, um, it's fun work, but it's it's taxing work. I, I, you know, preaching to the choir, you guys, you know it. Um, but so that's, you know, that's why I haven't been out and about that much. Well, Corey was a fancy one who went off to Tenley. Yeah. Well, I, I was, Tenley. I had to, I had to squat at someone's table to get a table, but I've it, done that. Out. At Tenley. At Tenley. <laughs> <laughs> so. We were talking before the show. It's, it's certainly uh, as much or more fun to go to especially the bigger expos oh, and not vend. Yes. Right? It's so much more fun to not vend those bigger shows. Hang at your buddy's table. Yep. So, yep. Go back to the hotel for a nap in the middle of the day. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. Be able to leave for food. Yeah, that too. Sleep in. Yeah. Yes. I, uh, I saw I was listening to a podcast or it's not really a podcast because it's on YouTube. It's, I feel like it's not a podcast if you can't find it on podcast networks, but it was, uh, I think it's called Fauna Radio, and they were talking about uh, are the big shows worth going to and vending? Are they worth vending? And uh, <clears throat> it was interesting. I, I thought, you know, some people say no because they don't make any money there, but I think it depends on how you look at those shows. If you look at it as a networking thing, then it's probably worth it. You yep. know, the big guys are always, if they don't make money, they've already made their money before the show ever started, Right. You know, right. Bilk has already sold all of his snakes before he ever got there. Uh, Garrett Hartle has sold all his stuff before he ever got there. Uh, so it's cool to go see those guys. But if you're a smaller uh, breeder, I think it's worth going just to get your name out. Don't go planning to make huge amounts of money. If you make any money, be happy. Um, yeah, but you can do the networking without vending. That's yes, true. You, you can do it more efficiently without the vending because you can actually yeah. mingle and see people instead of being locked behind your table the whole time. That's true. And, but... If you're willing, if, if you're okay taking a loss financially wise yeah. going there yeah. and vending, I think it's still fun to do once or twice. Now, but I understand you're not going to get to do, you're not going to get to walk around and see everybody's table. Like take someone with you that can watch your table so you can yes. go. For sure. Yes. Um, and it was interesting listening. Some of the people complaining about the bigger shows talking about, uh, there was one complaint that they had that kids shouldn't be allowed. Yeah, I saw that. I was like. What? what? Yeah. Yeah, there were a lot of people complaining about strollers at this last one. It it is what it is. Like it's yeah. you you can't go to like Disney World and be upset that there's strollers at Disney World. Like reptile shows are not just for adults. I get that we like them, but we have to all pretty much agree that we need kids there cuz we need kids to buy stuff and get into the hobby and I think we can probably agree that Tinley is is outgrowing its it's population, right? Yes. I mean, is that why they're, I've heard some talk about them potentially trying to get the big show in Schaumburg instead of Tinley. Is that yeah, why I, I know they're really working on that Schaumburg show and trying to grow it and the venue's a whole lot bigger. Is it? Yeah. Well, From what I, heard, I, haven't, I haven't actually seen it, but well, that's, just I, of, that's the word on the street. When we went in 2019, that was the year they put people in the small rooms trying to expand it into the small rooms down the hallways. And that was a nightmare because once you take them I out was of, at that one too. That was awful. Yeah, once you take them wow. out of the out of the main floor, people don't even know they exist. And I mean, people were leaving vendors were leaving those rooms on Saturday. They didn't even stay all of Saturday. Wow. Um, 
So yeah, you need a bigger room, bigger space for it all. But I mean, it is what it is. Like I went to Daytona in the early mid two thousands and that place was slammed and it was bigger than what Tinley. <clears throat> I mean, that place was massive. Um, but that was kind I've of the fun. Yeah. Was, I've been there too at the same time frame. Yeah. That's part of the fun to me. Now I will say being at so many shows that we go to, I don't have a problem with customers, kids, as much as I do vendors, kids. Yeah, that's a fact. If you're at a, if you're at a show all weekend, vendors, kids yeah. are the biggest pain in the butt. Because like by Sunday, they're like, oh, we can do whatever we want. And you just want to like close line. No, not all. But you want to close line them about the fourth time they come running by your table. Yeah, there have been a few. Um, there have been a few lately who've been a handful. But usually Katie takes care of them pretty quickly. That's true. <laughs> so um, <laughs> they're. They were pretty good this weekend. Yeah. I think Sean only had to yell at Bo once on the uh, PA on Saturday <laughs> just because they were they were doing backflips or something. on the, There's a stage in that venue. You're telling me Bo was doing a backflip? Well, he was trying. I would have. You should have recorded that. I'd have paid um, to see Bo do a backflip. Him and Bo, the other Bo. Um, Ian's kid. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but he was, it was joking, you know. But uh, and we lost uh, – Andy's daughter and the Grant's daughter for a while because nobody could find them on Sunday. And there was like this little side room, like little hallway that they were in yeah. between like two of the rooms, like because there was like a culinary competition going on next door. Oh, nice. Juice and they, could, they couldn't hear the PA uh-huh. in there. And they were just in there doing little girl stuff, you know, playing, whatever. There, and Andy was ready to go and couldn't find her anywhere and was kind of starting to freak out a little bit. And then somebody's like, I think they're in there. And he opened the door and because he's like, Andy's like yelling on the PA, Emily Rose, get to your, <laughs> she wasn't coming. And, and uh, yeah. So uh, there's a fat person in our chat that asked about, do the shirts that I'm wearing come in a bigger size? And I would just like to say, uh, fuck you. Miss <laughs> <laughs> uh, Chris, he hasn't been in our chat in a while. Because Chris, Chris last time had a podcast during our podcast. Ah. Uh, because he's trying to steal all of our three listeners. Uh, 17 right now. That's all because of Bill. Those are Bill's listeners. Yeah. Three of them are out. Oh, I, I just opened up the chat. Little, yeah, so you I'm just got little... dissed, James. Yeah, I know. I'm, I, he's used to it. I ignore Chris. Yeah. He's not. Uh, Chris. Hey, Chris, man. <laughs> but uh, so let's get. I do want to get into. Yeah, I want to I talk green trees. Let's get going. Let's so do I, it. I want to get into our question that uh, that Bill asked and then exploded once I put it on Facebook. Uh, it's always weird which questions get responses because I'll put one in there. I'm like, this is a good one. And then like three people reply to it. And then this one was uh, everyone had something to say about Green Tree Pythons, good, bad, or indifferent. Uh, the question was, what are the reasons more people aren't keeping Green Tree Pythons? And so we'll go through some of the reasons and then we'll we'll get Bill's input uh, and he can tell people why they're wrong. Uh, and Corey can help. <laughs> So uh, our friend Adam Wickens from Wickens Wicked Reptiles said the cost the same as his first car, which in Canada, I could probably believe that. Everything's expensive in Canada. I don't mm-hmm. know how much they cost in Canada, um, but I'm sure it's more than here because everything is. But I like Bill. I like your response when you asked if his first car cost 1200 bucks. And yes, my first car did cost less than 1200 bucks actually. So uh, but I told Robert before we got on here, I think my first car was $1,000. And then when we got rid of it, we gave it away to the garbage man because he was coming by going, hey, what are you going to do with that car? And I'm like, come back this afternoon. It's yours. And he came back and got it. So, But uh, price does show up a lot. And, and, and we can talk about price. I, I, I'm, we, yeah, we definitely need to talk yeah. about price. I'm looking forward there, to talking about price. There's a whole spectrum, yeah? I mean, you've, you've got like Arus and Biox and like imports where you can get something for pretty cheap. 
but then you've also got challenges with that. So it's kind of a pick your poison situation, I would say. What do you say, Bill? Well, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, we could talk a lot about price. Um, but like you said, Corey, a lot of times, you know, you get what you pay for. And a lot of times, especially a first-time keeper that's going to an expo and getting an imported, you know, Bioc baby is going to be fraught with challenges. And, you know, those things aren't cheap. I mean, if you go, you know, you're looking at 500 bucks, right? Um, so, and the other side of that is, is, is you know, I won't really try to justify price too much. Because this is a weak, but not such a weak argument. Anybody that's established a clutch, captive bred green tree babies, you know, will say on a lot of the circumstances that you look time-wise, what I've put into this clutch establishing these animals, um, it's a labor of love. It's, uh, you know, it can be demoralizing, brutal, time-consuming. Um, and, you know, I think there's there's a reason there's not 53,000 captive red green trees available on the market. <laughs> <laughs> is, is what I'm saying. I, I just need everybody to know, Bill breeds ball pythons, and he took a jab at ball pythons. It wasn't me this time. <laughs> <laughs> you bet I did. <laughs> but I, and, so, and, you, and you guys know I love ball pythons. I, they were the very first thing I've ever kept, ever worked with. I'm as passionate about them today as I was 20-plus years ago. Um, for a lot of different reasons that I'm passionate about green trees and that a lot of other people are passionate about ball pythons. But I have my reasons, but I love ball pythons. You, you know, I did something today I haven't done in a long time. I just went into my snake room and got a snake out and held it. I do that every now and then. It feels I, good. I haven't done that crazy, in right? a year, probably. I just went in and I was like, I'm going to get one of the snakes out. And I just opened up a tub and got him out and held him for a little while and just sat there and was like, I haven't enjoyed this. Yeah, you didn't change his water. You didn't clean the tub. Nope. You didn't soak it or spray it or feed it. Nope. Just, just picked just it up it. and held it. I did find yeah. a mouse that didn't get eaten last week. That's always fun. not not in his tub, That's but uh, a week later it's already dry. You're good. Yeah, Logan uh, must have missed it when he went back and checked the next day. <laughs> that that happens a lot with my sambos because they like it was, to take the sambo. Yeah, yeah, they take shit and bury it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, luckily it was just a pinky. Yeah, but assholes. It was enough that I saw one little one of the little gnat things come out, and I'm like open it up and i was like there's like 10 of them in here something's yeah. dead so i started digging around sure enough yeah but you're so, right it was all dried up sometimes like mm. it, they dry up quick especially in the smell i don't get the smell i'm like oh and then when i go to feed next week i'm like what the fuck is there a mouse in here but it's mouse jerky at that point yeah uh yeah the sam sambos are assholes about that they'll take it they'll wrap it they'll look like they're gonna eat it and you're like oh we're good i'll go to bed and then they just like no nah, i'm good i'm not gonna eat this thing there's a guy trying to sell a gila monster in Paralyan. That's gonna go well. That's only yep. illegal. Yep. He's uh, he posted it in a like a non reptile Paralyan group. Oh yeah, post mm. the venomous stuff in the yeah Paralyan PD gonna show up and knock on his freaking door. That's gonna they're be. illegal in our county and in that city. So he's like oh, wow. double illegal there. What a dumbass. Yeah. Um. So I want I want to I want to yes let's say price let's, yeah let's get back to price so yeah here's here's my thing um I think for a long time many species have been undervalued. Um, I think now I think we've also overvalued some because, but the market is what it is. But I think like Doomerel's bow was going up to a thousand dollars was was ridiculous. Like that was, but I do definitely don't think they should have been one hundred twenty five dollars like they were at some point. Um, I think rainbow boas being more expensive now is great. But I think the work that it does take to go into green trees, we all know that they are 
they are not ball pythons, right? They're not boas. They're not, they are a little, they're not, you know, boat red tails and all. They're, they are a little trickier. Um, so it does take time. And, and plus, like you said, you can go get a cheap one, but you're probably going to be one of those people that go, yeah, I had a green tree. It was mean. And then it never ate. And then it died on me. Yeah. And that's going to be your experience. You're going to assume that's all green trees. Cause that's because there's so many of those out there. And those are the stories you hear over and over again. You rarely hear the folks that paid a thousand dollars for the green tree. It's healthy. It lived forever. And it's been good because those people aren't going around complaining. They're not very loud about it. Um, yeah. So when you see these responses, reading through these responses, uh, I think yes. everybody's going off the negatives. Yeah, no, it's, it's absolutely true. I couldn't have summarized it any better than, than you just did. Um, and, and I'm a big believer in market forces. You know, if somebody wants to pay a certain amount for, for an animal, I, I don't have a problem with that. Um, and, and the prices in green trees, captive bred green trees, has fluctuated a lot. Um, right now, it's, I, I think it's kind of the peak of the market for whatever reason. They've, they've become quite expensive. And I think a lot of it is availability. And there's some things that have happened in the last five to 10 years that have caused the availability of green trees to go down. And that's going to obviously inflate the prices. Yeah. Well, like you said, you've put time into it and you, if you're going to buy something like that, you're going to buy it from a, a good breeder. Uh, our friend uh, Lee Reddy's in there. They breed Panther chameleons. If somebody tells me they want a Panther chameleon, I'm going to send them to him and it's a five, $600 lizard. Mm -hmm. Can they find them cheaper? A hundred percent. Sure. But are they going to be as well established? Are they going to be as pretty? Are they going to survive as well? Probably not. And with the readies, they come with lifelong support. Yeah. Yeah. I've sent several people to Bill because if somebody says, I'm looking for a green tree python, I literally know one person. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I have a lot of people that are sent to me that I then refer to others because I don't have the availability. What I have is not in their price range, but I know people that produce stuff that is. And, you know, you can be, you can count on that if I refer you to somebody, it's going to be somebody that I would get an animal from myself. And I think customer service, especially in green trees, especially your first green tree, is just as important as the animal. And luckily, most people that are producing green trees regularly that I know provide incredible customer service. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think it's because no one's mass producing them. You can't. And so, you know, everyone who's doing it, it's a labor of love for them and they want to see people successful and they want to see the animals that they spent all this time getting going be successful. Um, yeah, for sure. That was, that was definitely my experience getting into green trees was I, I found um, a lot of people to help. Yeah. And, you know, we're talking about these things like not being a lot of them available. You know, they're 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 difficult. Once you get an established green tree, neonate or sub-adult or whatever from a reputable source, that thing is going to be a beast. 95% of the time, it's going to be a feeding machine, easy to take care of. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm talking about producing and establishing it. Once they're established and you get your hands on one from a reputable source and put it in the right box, these things are as easy to take care of as ball pythons. I truly believe that. Well, and I think one of the things, so we go to shows and we see importers, because you can still import uh, green trees from, obviously not Australia, but you can still import them from other parts. And so you see these full-grown green trees on that are imports on tables that are much cheaper than what you're selling this small baby for. And these people go around going, well, I can get it for whatever over there. 
I don't think that people selling imports hurt your business because people that are going to buy from you are going to buy from you. They're not going to buy a cheap import off the table. I think what people selling cheap import green trees does is hurt future reptile owners because that is yeah. definitely an experience that will cause somebody to go, well, no, these things are too hard to take care of. And it was too expensive and I'm never doing this that, again. A- absolutely. And, and actually it is illegal to import green trees. Is it really? It's illegal to import green trees from Indonesia. Obviously, Wild green trees, though. you can't import farmed green trees. Yes, gotcha. you can import quote farm green, green trees, farmed, which we all know. Yeah, the vast majority of them are not are not farmed. Um, yeah, but, but it's technically illegal to import a green tree. So any adult you see, it's there illegally. Now listen, I'm not a you know a, a law abiding pencil pushing you know oh don't don't break the law but it, it technically is, is illegal and just as importantly you're not probably going to have a lot of success with an animal especially if it's your first one yeah that's it's and one look i don't have issues with resellers at shows we are we have tons of friends who resell that mm-hmm. retail why yeah. do that i don't have a problem but i do have a problem in the situation where they're selling these cheap animals that they know <clears throat> don't need to they take more care than someone buying a ball python, right? And so I feel – I'm trying to be careful because we have friends who do this stuff. But uh, if you want to buy a certain species, especially a species like green trees or any species really, go find a breeder. Go Just go find a breeder. It's your easiest way, if it's your, especially if it's your first time and you're not someone who's trying to – get new blood into a breeding project or try to start a hard uh, keep species to see if you could do it, but you just want that pet snake, go find a breeder and talk with them and get from a breeder first. It's your, it's your best shot, whether it's a Sambo, a ball Python, a green tree, go straight to the source and don't go to the table at the show that has 20 different species on it. That's probably not your best bet for your first time snake. Agreed. You know, Go to Corey's table and buy you a carpet python. Just, try, <laughs> just trying to help. Just trying to help you. There out. You go. Or apparently monitors soon. You can go to Corey's table and buy monitors. Or green trees. Or green, or trees. green trees. Or green trees. I only have two, and they're both girls, so I'm probably not going to be selling green trees anytime Corey, soon. Corey, do you know how breeding green trees works? That I think you're doing it wrong. <laughs> yeah. Do I need to have what two boys instead? Is that how it goes? You could try that. It didn't work this okay. way, so you should try that way also. All right, all right. It's a good problem to have two females. Mm-hmm. I keep telling my wife that she doesn't agree. <laughs> but uh, anyways, I can say that she's not here tonight, so I, I don't get slapped. I knew when that I knew when that came out of my mouth that it was not going to go well. <laughs> it went well. Right. Uh, so let's go get some more of these answers. Our friend Ashley Howdy over at Focus Cube, she uh, also said she says they have several sub one thousand animals, thousand uh, dollar animals that have been thriving for years. But if you want lineage. Uh, you're going to pay, just like we talked about. You're going to, and, and you should. You should. It's it, they've put the work and time into it. You should. But she also said, uh, one of the things that I think holds back people getting them are correct setups is the biggest issue. It seems. Uh, pay attention to the animal and where they come from. A good setup isn't difficult with all the available information nowadays. Um, yeah, I, I, it's not hard. They're again, they're not a ball python. You can't put them in a glass tank with some bedding and a a, a log and go, hey, I'm keeping the snake right. So, no, that's, so that, go ahead, yeah, go I was going to ask Bill to share his like magic uh, little tip for keeping green trees perfectly moist. Um, it, it's amazing. And it, it totally changed everything for me. Well, I was going to say, 
Um, housing green trees. So I keep my baby green tree pythons in the exact same rack as my baby ball pythons. Same temps, same rack, same tub. The only difference I do is I put a plastic coat hanger, a single plastic coat hanger in there as approach. That's it. That's the only difference. And I use paper towels, substrate, and that's it, man. Well, Bill, it doesn't uh, get much easier than that, does according it? According to Facebook, you're a monster. That is horrible. <laughs> I am a monster. <laughs> I, I am. I'm a Frankenstein. If you look at the shit that I produce. <laughs> I, do, I do want to get to that, too, when we talk about, like, subspecies of green trees and all that stuff in a little bit. But, uh, yeah, caging. Kate. But that's with anything. Proper caging is an issue with any animal you're going to keep. I think one of the most improperly kept animals are bearded dragons. Because uh, everybody goes to PetSmart, buys a cheap bearded dragon, puts it in a 10 gallon tank. First off, it's too small. And then they don't, it's just, there's so many things wrong with that. But it's seen as a cheap animal. No one will suspend the right amount it takes to properly house a bearded dragon. Right? So, you know, if someone's going around looking for the cheapest green tree, they're probably not looking for the best setup for that. And it doesn't have to be an expensive setup, but just the best setup. Yeah. It can be so cheap. Literally plastic tub, man. That's that's the best setup for a baby and subadult green tree is a plastic tub. I, yeah. I don't know how it can be, especially if you're used to keeping other stuff, whether it's carpet pythons, ball pythons. Um, everybody is familiar with a rack system mm-hmm. and a plastic tub. And back heat or bottom heat doesn't matter. Um, I don't know. I don't know how it gets much easier than that, really. Um, okay, so here's another one I saw that I thought was interesting, and, and you commented on it. But, uh, this person, uh, Lauren, said because they're more ornamental than handleable. And again, I think that depends on where you're getting them from, whether they're handleable or not. Uh, but what are your thoughts on them being more ornamental than handleable? Well, ahead, no, I've never had, I, I've never had an issue handling a green tree. Um, I don't have a huge collection of them, but, you know, well, pay attention to their body language and, you know, get them out respectfully. And they're, I've had zero issues. I've got a big collection of them. And this is what I like to do. Like when people say that. So. This is my monster. This is my green tree monster right here. <laughs> it, it's night here. You know, this is, this is, these are, you know, these are ball pythons on a stick as far as their temp- <laughs> temperaments go. They're docile by nature. They're shy. They're, their first reaction is to, is to duck that head. And, you know, I don't know if, if, if you're frightened to put your hand and pull this thing out, it's just, you know, I've got, 30 of these. They're all just like this. I can reach my hand in every single enclosure and pull it out just like this. And Corey will testify. She's been to my place. Absolutely. And it doesn't matter. He can have a whole crowd of people there and hand hand them around and they're just fine. I've never been bitten by an adult green tree. That's the honest to God truth. Do you Um, think the issue is that a lot of people do start out with something like a ball python, right? And they're used to the behavior and the way a ball python acts. And then when they get something like a green tree, even though overall their behavior is very similar, but the way they move, it may be different. And so the person perceives it as them being nippy or aggressive when they don't move the same way a ball python moves. 
No, I think what happens is they go to expos and they see imported Biox bite the fuck out of people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's what happens. That's and, a good technical you know, description of it. It's it's hard to argue against that, just like it's hard to argue against this. Because if you get an imported Biox from an expo, that's what you can expect. Um, it's just, they're different. They're just two totally different animals. The that stuff that's gorgeous. bred and hatched in captivity um, compared to the stuff that's shoved in a two liter Coke bottle, sent halfway across the world, and then expected to be in their, you know, new jungle home. It's just, it, it's totally different. Hmm. Man, that thing is. Isn't that gorgeous? When I first got into really into reptiles, um, Bill was on Joe's podcast, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I really sort of, you know, of course, the sickness. Everybody knows, anybody who knows anything about green trees knows that snake. And that thing just captivated me. And I wanted one. But then I read all the negatives and talked myself out of it. But that might have to happen one day. Not soon, but one day. I've thought about, the problem is I really like breeding stuff. But I've thought about cutting down on. Every time. on the numbers of stuff and and changing it around and getting like getting some see my thing is i don't want a, a green tree though i want to go more expensive unfortunately and i want an emerald because i like boas um <laughs> and they're really and they're really fucking expensive <laughs> for me to spend on a snake that i'm probably not going to breed at all and make money back on but i just I've, I've always been in love with the way an emerald looks when it sits there coiled up on a branch with that big bulldog like face like it wants to kill you uh whether it wants to or not it just looks cool it just like, this is bad because we're talking about snakes not being mean, but, like, emeralds look mean just sitting there staring at you, and I won't want Um But uh, we'll get back to some of these. So our, our buddy Darren, who Matt, I think may have been in the chat, he's in the chat, said uh, he thinks the stereotype of them being difficult to care for is neonates. You know, you get that a lot, um, that they'll just die on you. Um, and that's the You see that all the time. They just die on you. Um, and also says that the ones that are available are imports and have parasites. But you do hear that a lot. And people tell people all the time, you don't want a green tree. They're hard to take care of. Um, and they'll just die on you. They just, they will stop eating. So what's, what's your, when someone tells you that, what is your, your, you know, elevator pitch to them on why that's not true? Well, again, I would say, are we talking about imported babies, you know, that look dehydrated, at, you know, laying in a plastic tub at an expo? Or are we talking about a captive bred baby that you get from a reputable source that's had a minimum of 20 meals, which is what I release my babies at minimum 20 meals. Wow. And, um, so, you know, which, which of the two are you asking about? I think for most people, it's probably the import just because that's probably gonna be the one that's most bought. You know, I think, and, yep. and the, the readies just commented about all the negatives that people hear about Panthers, but it's kind of the same thing. They keep their Panthers for much longer than you see a lot of people sell their Panther chameleons for. Mm-hmm. And they are much larger when you buy them. You know that yep. they're eating. You know that they're healthy, and, and they're going to make it. And the same thing for green trees, for for really anything. I um, heard two people this weekend tell Amanda that they couldn't believe that the the one of their panthers that they bring that they showed everybody has all of his nose. Yeah, that hadn't rubbed it off. Hadn't rubbed them off, and they're like, "Yeah, that's what happens when they're happy. <laughs> <laughs> they don't rub their faces." It's- I mean, e- even even captive bred baby green trees are not without their fault. They can prolapse. You know, the prolapse rate is, you know, you're looking at probably 5% of at least the babies that I've hatched and established here, you know, will prolapse. And 90 plus, 90 plus percent of the time, that's going to happen within that 
20 meal window. Gotcha. So that's another reason that I, you know, I don't want to send a baby off and eat four meals and then a prolapse. Um, so again, that's another reason why I, why I hold on to them so long and that you can't just, unlike a ball python, get three frozen thawed meals in it, boom, put it on the table, put the price tag on it, you know. And again, all, all this all, all this stuff is coming back into, gosh, why are those things so expensive, you know? Yeah, it's... The, okay. You know, yep. it, again, people, I think that's another problem. People just don't understand the price it takes for certain things. Like, not everything is meant to be cheap. I, again, I don't think everything should be cheap. I, so I like our buddies over at Repticulture, right? That's a retail a reptile store, but they don't sell anything under $100 or 120 whatever it is. Yeah. But they have a higher price on everything, even on like a leopard gecko, some of the things that we normally think of cheaper because they try to put a higher price tag on it so that you don't get the person coming in buying a cheap animal and then throwing it into a cheap setup. But they did have a lady call today and wanted to sell them a turtle that she caught <laughs> crossing the road and then got mad and cussed her out and hung up on her when she said, I'm not buying the turtle that you caught crossing the road today, lady. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. We almost found a new business model. <laughs> they just go out and find turtles. Well, there was that guy up north who just kept going out and finding, uh, yeah. catching pregnant uh, diamondback terrapins and then taking their eggs. So, yeah. Oh, my God. Um, going through... So one I did see before was one issue I think people have is paying the high price tag for something that they're not positive that is sex. The whole sexing of green trees is not the same as ball pythons or boas and stuff like that. It is it is definitely trickier. So how does that yeah. whole process work? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And up until a year ago, we had this figured out for a lot of captive bred uh, green trees because there was a company that for several years um, was able to using the sexes of the parents and of the neonates determine the sex genetically based on the shed, which was a game changer for the green tree world. It was a game changer for consumers and for breeders. But unfortunately that has gone away. Uh, there's some issues I'm not real familiar with of exactly why the technology at this point has been lost or the company is, is no longer able, able to perform that service. So we're back kind of a, a, a few steps back there. Hopefully that will, will change and we'll be able to get this, this sexing thing um, back, back here relatively soon. But yeah, it's an issue because you can't safely sex a baby green tree without a high incidence of tail kink because they're so fragile. Yeah. You can sex them all day long. They're easy. They're easy to pop. Um, but you're just really risking a tail kink as they, as they get older. Man, that's crazy. But yeah, that is a, so, a very skinny tail. Even on an adult, it's a very skinny tail. So it's unbelievable. And on a, on a neonate, it looks like tissue paper. It's that. You can literally see through it. It's that transparent. Yes, that's, again, why I like my bow is I can just run my thumb down it. <laughs> it's, down there. it's so much easier. But So yeah, texting is definitely, definitely an issue, but... Again, for somebody that is concerned about the sex, that leads me to believe that they're thinking, okay, about breeding the animal, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you have any inclination about breeding green trees, that is the ultimate game of patience. So, man, it doesn't matter. You know, you could get really unlucky and you could get four and they could all be the same. Same, They could be four males. But it's one of those things that you just um, – you have to get them up to a certain size where it's safe to sex them. And it's not a curse to have two or three males. 
like maybe it isn't ball pythons. Like you wouldn't want three of the exact same breeder male ball pythons. Green trees, it's a different game, and the males are, are really just as valuable as the females. So, you know, well, and you get three. That's why I think if you're doing something, especially green trees, make sure when you're picking out which ones you want, you're picking out not just grabbing a random green tree. You're like, I want to breed. Be very specific and very selective because that way, if it does turn out being the opposite sex, or whatever, you at least got a snake that looks the way you want it to look. That that, that is the way. You, so you, you're not like, oh no, I wasted all this time growing this up. Yeah. Or, or has the genetics or the locality that, that you want, that you find valuable. Yeah. You know, yeah, absolutely. So don't just go pick up that random male off of a table at a show because it was cheap. Uh, it may not work out for you in multiple ways. Yeah. And, uh, and just don't rush it. it it's in, in great trees. It's a, it's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. So one other thing that popped up quite a bit in the comments, and I was looking forward to bringing this one up with you. Uh, was the attitude of the green tree python keepers. Uh, I love this one. It, it, came, <laughs> it came up a lot that green tree python keepers are elitist. And that's been a thing for a long time. You always see, I've seen uh, memes where it's like uh, the different Winnie the Poohs and then it's like Winnie the Pooh in the top hat and the, the coat. Tuxedo, the yeah, tuxedo yeah. and that's green tree python keepers. Uh, you do see that a lot, that, that they are, the people at least say it. I'm not saying you see it in individuals because trust me, I've seen ball python people that are douches also. So that's not a, that's not, oh, a, yeah. it's not a species specific yep. thing. There are assholes in all groups. Um, <clears throat> but I, what, what, <laughs> I, I, I loved this. Um, but I, I would like to hear before I say something, I'd like, <laughs> to hear, I'd like to hear what Corey has to say about elitism in, in ball pythons because she, she keeps, she, I mean, uh, green trees, she keeps green trees and she knows enough green tree keepers Yep. To have a very formulated opinion about it. So I, I want to hear what she has. Well, so, so I'll say, I don't know if this is that I know a lot of Texas green tree people or just green trees in general, but they green tree people are some of the friendliest, like most welcoming, funnest people that I know in the hobby. Um, you know, they just, they want to see everyone succeed. I think it comes just the, the reputation of that comes because people care about lineage. Yeah. And anytime yeah. you're like caring about, you know, really paying attention to lineage, I think that people get this idea that there's exclusivity and that sort of thing. It's like but, that with um, uh, gray and king snakes too. Yeah. People or are. like diamonds, diamonds. It's that way as well. Yeah. Like you have a lot and they, and there's a similar reputation for diamond keepers the moment you start using locales people automatically assume oh or scientific names either way locales or scientific names like yeah. oh it's an elitist group i'm like no they just talk differently right yeah but no i mean it's every i i yeah i couldn't be further from the truth if from my experience but well i think the only two people that i would consider green tree people that i know is bill and well, Jason Brumley, but he's not even really doing it anymore. And they're two of the nicest people I've yeah. know uh, have you know spoken to at shows. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't, I think it just comes from because they they see that it's a higher end animal. It's the price tag. Also, they're, I assume they're the generally kept a little better, mm-hmm. and people care about lineage, and people take that as being um, 
Uh, well, that's the word I want to use. Uppity? Uppity. <laughs> I don't know. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to real quick shout out Mark Hager because he's one of the people in Texas who's There really you go. Mark, Mark is a great example. One of the, you know, so he he runs the, you know, the Texas Condros and his whole thing is shouting out other people and oh, showing yeah. off other people's great animals. And he's like the most friendly, approachable person you could ever imagine meeting. Um, and so, yeah, it's just, it's... Com- I, 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 I have a theory, um, and I want to say Jason Brumley is, again, salt of the earth guy. Yes. He, yep. he is one of, one, of, one, of, <laughs> he's one of the best human beings on the planet. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I just I can say that about so many of the, of the people in the Green Tree community. Matt Morris is another one. Y'all may not even know the name Matt Morris, but he, he's, he's from Austin. Just a super great down-to-earth guy would do anything for you. Um, but I think a lot of the elitism comes from, you know, I entered the Green Tree community about 12 or 13 years ago. And when I did, uh, there was no social media, but there were forums. And there was a big forum. There's a big forum called the MVF, the Morelia Viridis Forum. Yeah. And when I entered the Green Tree community, so you, you had to be known, you had to get on there and to get on there, you couldn't just log on there. You had to make an introduction post. So you couldn't just come on and go, Hey, these are my green trees, you know, or I'm going to get a bunch of green trees. You had to go, my name's Bill Siegel. Uh, I, I've been keeping ball pythons and carpet pythons for eight years. I'm thinking about getting my first green tree or I just got my first, you know, and you had to be respectful and you had to be mindful of the community. And that was just the standard that was dictated back then. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that is so much elitism as it is just pride, you know, pride in the community, pride in the animals, pride in the fact that, you know, our community holds itself to a very high standard. And, um, you know, they expected you to be respectful of the people that were there before you, that were before me, generations before me, that made this happen, okay? These were the guys that figured this shit out so I can produce animals like this. And there was just an expectation that you respected that. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No. Well, you know? That's like if you talk to a lot of the ball python people today and you say the name Ralph Davis or the name uh, um, VPI. Oh, Tracy, Barker. Tracy Barker. And they're, they don't even know who they are. Yeah. And it's like, if it wasn't for those guys, you wouldn't be doing this today. Well, that, guys, that shit, people. That, that shit doesn't fly in our community. In fact, our most mm. recent, you know, I, I do a podcast called GTP Keeper Radio. Sometimes. Our last <laughs> three or four times a year. <laughs> and our last episode was on the, our founding fathers and the people awesome. that really influenced you know, our, our community and why we're able to do the things we are now. And I don't see that in a lot of other communities. So if that's elitist, if people think that's elitist, then I'll, I'll take it, you know, with a badge of honor. <laughs> I don't think it's elitist. I think, I think the, the problem is a lot of, so I think social media is a lot of the problem. It's very easy to get on Facebook and join a group in Facebook and have a voice on Facebook without having any experience in what you're talking about. Uh, the forum days, like I, we all, a lot of us that are on the forum days say we miss the forums, and I do in, in a way. I miss 
the way it was kind of like you sat down at a computer and you <laughs> logged on and you looked at what everybody posts that day and you read through it all. Yeah. It was so different. Um, it was different. And people paid more attention, I think, to what was being said and what was happening. I do miss that. Um, but I think that like, it's like ball pythons. There's 50,000, 55,000, whatever ball pythons on Morph Market, right? Because the community, it's not really a community, is what it is, but the community of ball python. Down to 41,000. 41,000. Uh, the community of ball python people is very large and it's a mixture of everybody because everybody just was like, I'm going to get ball pythons and they got them. Yeah. Uh, whereas the green tree, like one, to be a green tree breeder, you're not just going to throw them in a shoebox the way you do ball pythons and they automatically breed no problem for you, right? There's gonna there's got to be more, there's more involved in the breeding of of green trees, so automatically you do take a little more pride in what you're doing than being, hey, look, I bought these two already breeder sized ball pythons at a show and now I'm a breeder. I'm gonna make my first clutch of eggs and have them ready in three months. But so I think that pride that is taken in breeding green trees is not uppity i think it's i think it's still well deserved i think it's a well-deserved pride and doing something that is not as easy or else if it was easy we'd see green trees everywhere what do you think Corey? yeah i mean yeah i don't really have anything to add on that that's i mean i i the only thing i I mean i know a lot of ball python breeders that are they're super proud you know Mm -hmm. of, of their productions and and they they should be um, but you're right. You can't just, um, you can't take two adult animal green trees and get them in three, four months later, expect to be expecting them to lock and, and yeah. produce successfully. It's just, it's different. It's, um, it's, it's not any better. It's not any worse. It's just, it's just different. You know? And the problem is there are definitely ball Python people in those groups that are much like the green trees who take pride in what they do and they, they plan things out and they're taking care. But the problem is there's so many others with louder voices, not better voices, yeah. just louder voices yeah. that they get drowned out. Whereas with green trees, there's not right. Those louder voices. If they're like, I'm gonna get into green trees. They're the ones that kill a green tree in the first month and go, fuck it. These things are too hard to keep. And they move on yeah, Luckily for, for the hobby. But yeah. I think every group is like, I mean, you know, they talked about, uh, uh, short tails and bloods. I, I know. And you hear all the time, how great that one is, you know, uh, when April used to be your co-host on, on on here, she would tell you all the time how the how the blood love, love April. Yeah, and, that and I love community. that community. I'm in that too. I'm I'm in the short tail community too. Phenomenal. Yeah, I've met Matt Minatola at, at Tinley, an amazing man, awesome, great animals. Matt's, Matt's my boy. I've known Matt. I've known Matt a long, long time, and we are very, very good friends. Lon Drexler. Um, you could go through the history of of the blood and the, and the short tails and. God, they got Keith McPeak for oh, God's yeah, sake. Keith, I met Keith there. Keith is awesome yeah. too. You know, Tracy. I mean, yeah, they're they're all just stellar people. But those but are, you don't but you don't get that like you've never heard of them as being referred to as an elitist community. Really. No. And it's I don't know. I you know, when I entered I so you were at Daytona around the same time I was going that that's back when they used to have the Condro Coalition there at Daytona. You'd walk yeah. in, they had their whole little corner and you'd walk yeah. in, and you're like, Jesus Christ, this is it was much different than any other section of the show because it's all these like white cages and all of these chondros set up and it's it's like a, like walking into a zoo of chondros. Yeah, um, I want those days to come back. Yeah, <laughs> I I thought it was cool because I mean these guys took so much pride that they got together and they set up. It wasn't just a table 
with some deli cups and some animals on it. They set up an experience. You walked in, they, at one yeah. point, they had them like in a little cove, and you like walked over in this little cove, and it was all green trees. Um, that's that's not that's not elitist. That's going look look what we have. Look at these animals deserve to be shown like this, and you deserve to see them like this. Yep. And so, you know, I, I again, I don't think it's elitist. I think a lot of people feel that way because it's not a hundred dollar ball python or a hundred dollar sambo or whatever. It it is a a thousand dollar animal, and that doesn't make you an elitist. I, you know, blackheads yeah, but, uh, blackheads aren't cheap. Blackheads aren't elitist. That's true. And Corey, Corey and ball, and, and, and ball pythons, the, the most expensive ball pythons dwarf the price Absolutely. of oh, yeah. green trees. Absolutely. So, you know, I think when people say it's elitist, they're not talking about the price of the animal. They're talking about the members of the community, and that's what I want to try to like. Yeah, the smell I, or. I'm wondering if part of it is just because it there's expertise involved. Um, you know, there back to the idea of, you know, it doesn't take a lot of expertise to breed something like a ball python. Um, but for other species that are, you know, really harder to breed, harder to establish, you know, that kind of thing, there is a certain amount of like, you know, accomplishment and knowledge that's required to you know be able to consistently produce that um and i wonder if that's part of it too maybe i i, I don't know i um i can understand it because like i said Ron, i still remember coming into the community i i was felt like i was walking on pins and needles like right when i had to make my introductory post to the community i i like went back to Spell check, make sure, like, I didn't miss oh, any wow. capitalization, <laughs> you know, make sure just like, I felt like I was walking on pins and needles. And so I get, I get why people think that. I really, really do. But I, again, going back to one of my other points was I think it's more of a, not a pursuit of perfection, but just really holding the community and the keepers at a high standard. Yeah. I mean, that's... So, uh, that's it. Going to the chat, there's a few things. So, my dad had a quote in there. I kind of like he said, "There's a difference between being elite and an elitist." Uh, Excellent. I, you know, Excellent. Elitist is definitely I a, an attitude. Something I know substance. some substance, substance. It's great, but elitist is a personality. It's an attitude. It's a way that you carry yourself, and it, again, it, it rubs people wrong. Don't look. Like, like I said, well, I, I pick on ball pythons because it's easy. But there's tons of ball python breeders at a show. I can find you far more ball python breeders at one reptile show that I find to be dicks and douchebags than I can trying to search through the entire green tree python community. Um, and and they've been doing it for all of six months, and now they're an expert on keeping and breeding this species of ball python. But trust me, there's there's green tree <coughs> keepers that have the same um, the same mentality. Trust me, they're out there. <laughs> Stay away from them. We're good. Um. I do so. Uh, Lee Reddy said all the uh, OG chameleon keepers and breeders are all nice and great part of the community. He said most, not all, but most new chameleon keeper people are assholes to each other. And, really? uh, but that I think that's kind of people in general. Uh, our, our hobby pools in a, a large variety of people. Uh, I mean, just us alone here, we are a large variety. I mean, if, if you were, if, if someone were to meet Bill outside of a reptile situation, you wouldn't be go. That's a snake guy. Like, cause you, you don't look stereotypical snake guy. What everyone sure. thinks outside of the hobby, a snake person looks like, but like in the hobby, we realize that those stereotypical snake people aren't usually the, the norm. That's just what everybody sees. 
but uh, I think because we pull in such a large variety of people, I, I see a lot of new people coming into the hobby that don't come in earning their knowledge. So again, like on the forums, you would sit there and read forums for days before you ever thought of something important enough to post, right? You weren't going in there most of the time and posting something every few hours because you had to say something. Yeah. Right, you saying my noodle, my noodle made a right hand turn instead of a left. <laughs> yeah. So what does that mean? <laughs> so there was there was knowledge gained. There was there was time and effort taken into reading stuff, learning stuff, and figuring out things. Where now, because all that knowledge was gained by people, and it's so easy now to find a YouTube video that you can watch in five minutes, and now you're an expert on a species. There's some people that enter into the hobby and get into that species, and automatically. Uh, feel that whatever they have to say is important. Anything other people have to say, other people have to say is not important. And yeah, like Lisa, they become assholes pretty quick. Yeah. Um, I'm, cr- I'm cracking up at some of the comments. They're pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I want to. So Darren um, was asking a question about how you keep your animals, and I'd like yeah. to wonder if you could talk yeah. about about yeah. how you keep your animals. Yeah, let's definitely do some husbandry. Cool. Um, I think I said earlier, I keep my babies and sub-adults in the exact same rack, in the exact same temperatures as my baby and sub-adult ball pythons. Only difference is, is I'll keep the green trees in the lower levels of the rack, just because naturally they're a few degrees cooler. And I'll put a, a plastic uh, coat hanger, one or two perches in there, depending on the size of the animal. Um, so the temperatures, I'm looking for a cool spot of about 78, this is for a baby, 78 to 80, and then a warm spot that'll max out at maybe 88 degrees. Um, again, very doable, right, in a ball python sure. setup. Yeah. Uh, I keep them on the babies in particular, paper towels, uh, water dish in the front of the tub. Um the only real difference is, is that I do provide fresh water more frequently to the green trees than I do baby ball pythons. So baby ball pythons get fresh water once a week unless they soil the water mm-hmm. and they get fresh water. Baby green trees get fresh water twice a week unless they soil the water. I think hydration is more important in a green tree than it is in a ball python. And that's probably because like where they come from, right? Green tree pythons come from, you know, the rainforest and are used to having, I'm sure, a very fresh water source. Ball pythons fucking come, you know, from the African desert and they're not getting fresh water for longer. So that's really the only difference. I do keep the humidity for the green trees higher. And when I say humidity, I don't measure humidity. I've never measured humidity in a baby rack or an adult, an adult cage. Um, but I do, I do provide humidity and I do that primarily by saturating the substrate, usually once a day or once every other day. And usually I'll try to have a cycle where by the end of the day, I'll come back and that substrate will then be dry or maybe just a little bit damp. Um, so that, you know, that's how I keep them. It's. I don't know. What, did, I, did I miss something? No. no. So do you do you ever spray your animals? Uh, that's a great question, and we could have a two-hour discussion <laughs> about, <laughs> about spraying about spraying uh, green trees. I spray my animals, and I spray them quite a bit. 
Certainly when they're in the shed cycle, I spray them every day. Mm -hmm. But a lot of this spraying stuff depends on a couple different things. Your ambient humidity, the enclosure, cage, or rack that you're keeping the animal in, and the animal itself. Mm -hmm. So you have to get to know your animal. And the goal of spraying is, is to spray just enough to have a good shed cycle. So if you can never spray your animal and it have a good shed cycle, great. If you have to spray it twice a day, every day to get a good shed cycle, great. For most people, it's somewhere in between those two. Do you find that your animals like to drink the water that clicks on the side of the cage when you spray them? I you don't I, notice? I I can't honestly ever remember seeing a green tree licking water off its coils. Yeah, I don't think I have either. I was just curious. <laughs> I, I, I've seen them drinking. I love like everybody like loves to watch their snake eat. Like yeah. the green tree keepers, it's like holy fucking camera out is drinking. You know. <laughs> so I. I've seen them drink. It's awesome to see them drink. And you do notice them drinking when you give them a fresh, cold, big, you know, bowl full of water. I think it makes a difference. So I do, other than the ball pythons, I tend to keep larger water bowls, more fresh water. Um, but again, such such small little differences. I, don't, I just call them nuances. Well, that's interesting because, you know, in the wild, you assume because they're sitting, they they're a very stationary snake that they would be drinking a lot of that water that settles that do and stuff that settles on them. Sure. Maybe they are, but I guess in captivity, why there's a giant bowl of water five <laughs> inches away. I don't, why am I going to waste all this time trying well, to lap up yeah. a small little piece of water? I just go to the bowl. Well, I will tell you this green tree pythons are not the smartest <laughs> animal on God's earth. I, I'm sure Corey can testify to that. Mm -hmm. It will make you shake your head sometimes the ways they will try to kill themselves, you think. There um, Sounds like hognose snakes. <laughs> right, Corey? So, what? <laughs> Sounds like hognose, doesn't it? Oh, my gosh. A different way. Yeah. If, but, yeah. If, if you leave any amount of slack in a uh, light or heating element um, mm -hmm. electrical cord yeah. in the cage, mm -hmm. it will wiggle its way up into that cord, and it will try to perch on it yep. and you think it's going to try to freaking hang itself <laughs> yep. that's, that's so that's funny because my big red tail boas any slack left like a heating panel they'll find it they'll get up there yep. but they can't they can't hang they can't perch on it they just yank the whole damn thing yeah. down yank it, yank it down yeah <laughs> but uh green trees will perch on it and it drives me crazy so one thing i want to go back to that i found interesting we we're talking about uh price of kept bringing up lineage and so I find lineage and green trees interesting because we get to things like the sickness and, and a lot of these uh, I guess designer green trees. Um, lineage at that point is really who were the parents, not so much which locale, right? Because a lot of these are mixed locales when you get some of these really weird color patterns and all that stuff, right? Yeah, most of the uh, designer stuff are so far out of locality crosses, you couldn't even begin to say what percentage Biak or Kofia or Aru or, uh, yeah, you just can't even, you know, yeah, it's just, it's totally, it's totally different. Um, so basically there's people that enjoy working with localities 
uh, and like Gary Savino, David Brom, uh, Ryan Young, all great examples of people that really like working with locality specific animals. And they're really trying to do the same thing that I'm trying to do. They're trying to bring out like the best, like the highest white arus or the bluest manicori. Bill's like, just mix the shit together to happen. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, why, why waste your time with that when you can (laughs) pop out of sickness, you know? Yeah. Um, But, but those guys are working with locality specific animals and I'm working with what you described perfectly as designer animals, which means they're mutts. Their locality is so lost, so far lost that uh, nobody even really cares what percentage, you know, Bioc it is. It's all about how blue were its parents, how black were its parents or yeah. grandparents or whatever. One thing that the Green Tree Group and well, more, okay, I know they're not Morelia anymore, but I'll, all Morelia and I'm throwing Green Trees in there. One thing that as a group y'all have done well that I can't do because I don't name shit is y'all have named breeder animals. And that is that has been the biggest way of selling shit that I've ever seen that works. Because people awesome, are like, right? they say a name like, "Oh God, I need a snake from so and so." I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't it, even name my own snakes. How do y'all know everybody else's snake in their collection? It's there great. Are people who do that too. It's great marketing. I'll be the first. I'll be the first to admit it that you know throwing out stupid or crazy names is, is great marketing, and the sickness was one of them. You know, I mean, I just. You know, it was a very, very unique animal uh, when I produced them, and I just kind of got lucky by naming them. And then just the fact that I'm a physician, uh, and then to be able to name all of his offspring pathological names, just it all just kind of flowed together. And just, I mean, it's kind of marketing for sure, but it's fun too to do it. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I've talked to people that do. that do show that do educational shows. And that's one thing they say about their animals, the that they give their animals a name. So when they go to an educational show and they show a snake to these kids, uh, if they don't say the name of the snake, there's always that question of what's its name? Because I get that too when I bring animals to school for like mm-hmm. genetic stuff. They go, What's its name? I'm like, it doesn't have one. It's snake number whatever. It doesn't have a name. <laughs> but it does make a connection with people when you give them a name. And, and and look, if I was smart enough, I would do it, but it's just not gonna happen. I would give names to everything and go, look, this is Susie Q over here. And these are Susie Q's babies. And everybody needs Susie Q's babies. To, to, to me, it's so community-based. It's like, you'd look like an idiot if you did that with your ball python, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, Yeah, there's no lineage yeah, in ball python. <laughs> it's just not like a community, I, I guess, standard. or It's just not a thing, you know? Um, and I don't give my ball pythons. Mr. Fluffy's not going to breed, you know, <laughs> m- m- Mr. Pink Eye. It's just not going to I was one a baby from Mr. Fluffy. <laughs> so it's, it's just, um, it's, it's just the way that things develop, um, in our, in the different communities. It's just, it's, it's, like I said, it's an inter- interesting way of marketing and who would have thought that that would do it, but it does. Like I said, with, with carpets, I've, you know, I've listened to the guys over Marley carpet, uh, Python radio and they'll, you'll listen yeah. and they'll name some snake and they're like oh yeah, yeah i know that one and they're like they'll, yeah. there was a picture of it that floated around the forums like the fuck it was how do you remember so-and-so's one random snake but they say that and then when they do mention that one jaguar i'm like okay no i do remember seeing that one jaguar uh i forget yeah. its name yeah. but i was like it was on the cover of a magazine and it was everywhere so yeah i, I got that but you know madam blueberry and the, but, you'll, but that's another thing where people that get into a hobby that don't know the history and they hear that and they 
have no clue what that is. Now, with green trees, I can't imagine. If you got into green trees, you have to know who the sickness is by now because it's, it's so weird looking when it comes to green trees. It's It shows up all the time. But I would imagine if you get into green trees and don't know what the sick or who the sickness is, that's an issue. You should do a little bit of research in, in, in your part of the <laughs> hobby and know these things. Well, it's um, – I'll just say it's, so, it's a lot easier to keep up with the green tree genetics than it is ball python genetics. Oh, yeah. I mean, God, I can't imagine coming into the ball python game as, as a new person now. You know, it's, it's just it's, it's so daunting. Daunting. I just laugh all the time when I look at these people that get into ball pythons who you know barely passed high school biology, and now they want to act like they're a genetics wizard <laughs> because they know what this and this and this do. And I'm like, but do you actually know what those genes do? Do you actually know how that works? Like, it's. But they're all like, yeah, I've got a so-and-so whatever. And I'm like, that doesn't mean shit to me. I don't know what that is. It's gonna, all I know is it's going to end up being brownish, grayish, black. And people are going to go, it's different than the other brownish, grayish, black one. <laughs> but like when you show me some of these green trees, that's another thing I found interesting. Well, like so when we say lineage, like it's not locale-based. But wasn't there a study not that long ago that basically said, hey, all these green trees are uh, the same? Well, it, it seems like it's going the other way. The other way. Like oh, they it? keep they keep breaking down, you know. Now it's not just Veritas, you know. It's Azura, and they keep they keep fractionating the green trees, and, and a lot of people think soon that Biak and Aru will be its own subspecies. And I don't know. I was just when I got into it, they had just changed it from Chondropython to Morelia. <clears throat> so uh, I don't know. I I don't really. Uh, that's that's kind of not my my thing. Like, yeah. I just want to make wicked looking snacks. I don't, <laughs> I'm with you there. <laughs> I don't. I'm not too much about. Even though I'm, I am a scientist. I'm a biologist. Yeah, but to me that's just not like what I'm into. I don't really care mm -hmm. from sub crossing species, subspecies or. Yeah, well, it takes some for some. It takes the fun out of it. I mean, that's. But like, some people get so uptight about that, you know. Uh, that's why I find it interesting with carpets. Like if you look at some jungles and some coastals and you're like, uh, they're pretty close. Yeah. yeah, yeah well, yeah. and so that was in the most recent carpet Python book. They basically set like did genetic research and found out that a lot of what we were calling carpet versus coastal, I mean, jungle versus coastal, actually it's basically the same thing there's like now there's northern coastals and southern coastals and maybe those are two different species and then you've got like it looks like now that um the northern some of the northern stuff plus darwin's and ij's are all kind of the same species and it's all you know it's it's, it's it all changes all the time so well it's all know. it's all made up boundaries that we decided and made up names that we yeah. decided so I mean, genetics, that was the other genetics thing that got me was uh, I was when I was reading the one on the green trees, it was like the percentage difference in DNA from one group to the other. And it was this large number. But then I'm like, well, fuck, the percentage difference in DNA from chimpanzees to humans is like less than a percent. I don't understand. Like, how are we doing this now? Because you're telling me these two green trees, which look very similar, are drastically different. But we look nothing like a chimpanzee and we're really fucking close to them genetically. So it gets confusing. You, you can understand why people were upset when they changed chondropython to Morelia. Like, yeah. These things do not look like carpet pythons. <laughs> not they, at all. they don't act like carpet pythons. You know, and then you look at rough scale python, even closer genetically to green trees than carpet. Mm -hmm. 
they don't look they don't look like them they don't act like them you know i it's just or well uh, it gets me as uh north american rat snakes and robert and i've talked about this before when they try to be like all right uh, they're all the same on the east side of the Mississippi, and they're all the same on the west side of the Mississippi. That's our that's our dividing line. I'm like, I, I I've seen Everglades rat snakes. They're not a gray rat snake. Like that's no. that's not the same snake. I get that we have rat snake in the name, and it's just it's I don't know. Taxonomy gets very interesting, and sometimes I think it's just well, in Australia it's for sure, but sometimes people just want to hear their own voice. Uh, <laughs> and agreed, agreed, and, and name shit after their dog. But, uh, so anyways, that's, like I said, green trees, I find interesting. I've, I've always been a, a fan of the emeralds and at some point I'm going to get one. Um, but I'm not going to lie. I don't, and, and if people can make fun of me. I don't know the difference between a basin and a, a, I don't know. I don't know the difference the, it's green with white and it looks fucking awesome. And I want either one, I, but one cost way more, Yeah. but I, I did yeah, you need to get an emerald expert on on the show. I'm certainly not certainly not that. I can appreciate their beauty. I I absolutely love the way they look. I've kept one for a short period of time as a sub adult, which is fantastic. Um, but maybe Corey has more expertise than I do. I, I don't. I've I've never never kept an emerald. Um, I think it has to do with like where they're where they're found. Um, but in terms of why certain ones are more expensive than others, I don't really well, know. And it's one of the things they'll tell you, well, it's got these markings. I'm like, I get it. And I yeah. guess if I stared at it, yeah, I would know yeah. that. But phenotypically, you can tell the difference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you, you can. And, uh, and size wise, you know, the basins get bigger. Get bigger. I knew that. I did know they got um, But that's, that's all my expertise goes. I was listening <laughs> to. Uh, I was listening to. Oh, I'm going to feel horrible because I can't remember the name of the show. What's Rob's podcast? Reptile Talk? That. I don't really listen to Rob Christian. Yeah, shit, I feel horrible. Yeah, reptile talk. They had a, a Amazon tree boa roundtable, which I I found interesting because that's another one of those species. Uh, if you're talking about snakes that probably shouldn't be as cheap as they are, I mean Amazon. Absolutely. I remember they they are like it was always kind of like a garbage snake on tables because you could find them super cheap on a table. Um. But it was interesting listening to these guys who have spent time breeding them for certain colors and this and that and trying to figure it out. And they're still trying to figure out genetics of that because they don't know how all the genetics work in those. And I'm like, man, those have been around for a long time. Um, and they're still trying to figure them out. But it's it's very interesting. You know, I always people always lump green trees, emeralds, and Amazons kind of together because they're the, our, our, you know, arboreal, arboreal. python, boa. Yeah. Um, but Amazons, I think, are just – they're very noodly. I can't get past them being so noodly. At least we, so, go ahead. I didn't get it until I saw I, I we found one in the wild when we were in Peru and it was freaking cool. Yeah. Um, and it yeah, I they're I think they're really underrated. But I mean, they you could find them. I remember you'd be able to find them on tables for like 30, 40 bucks. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. The one we found would be like 60 bucks on someone's table. But, but again, wow. they would get that. That really same cool. thing that happens with green trees. People go, they're hard to take care of. They're mean. They bite all the time. And I'm like, well, yeah, they were just in the jungle like a week ago. And now they're in a cup on a table being stared at by giant monkeys. Yeah, they're pissed off. <laughs> but if you think about the same way with like with Bill, you find someone that's breeding Amazons and they've done it and they have several generations of Amazons. That's going to be a completely different snake and a completely different experience. So 
I'm, I'm kind of interested. I was like, well, that would kind of be cool. Cause I mean, they do come in bright orange. And so they're beautiful. And, and yeah. they say, they say, you know, manageable size. Like that's why I like the green trees, you know, um, yeah. over, over the, uh, the Amazons is this, they make, they, they say such a really a very manageable size, you know, to, to keep a, a rather large collection. Well, and that's, they stay, if fed properly, they stay right size, right? Because, you know, for a long time, people overfed green trees and got them big, but they're not supposed to be a big snake. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You can overfeed, you know, these green trees, they'd eat every night if you'd feed them. You can, it's easy to get them big and obese, but if you don't do that, you know, I keep all my males in two by two by two cubes, and a lot of my females, smaller females, same size the bigger females i'll give them an extra foot um you know horizontal space so three by two by two <clears throat> but uh shoot i i i've kept and in, in bred i've bred a, a small adult green tree in a camo camo tub oh wow you know so i believe it it, it it can be done they can be kept in relatively small spaces um, look at that. So my dad asked a question. He says, is any of the naming issue brought on by the hobby or by all, is it all scientific driven? A lot of that stuff, scientific driven, like the changes in genus and species and, um, not, yeah, it's all, it's all scientific, yeah. right? And yeah. And the mm-hmm. hobby where I mean, we will call them whatever we, I mean, look, people still call green trees chondros and <laughs> they haven't sure. been chondros mm-hmm. for a long time. So yep. we, we, we get to a name and we're like, yeah, no, that's the name. That's why like, uh, I piss off people all the time when I talk about red tail boas and I'm like, oh, that's a red tail. I'm like, that's a Colombian. It's got a red fucking tail and it's been a red tail my entire life. <laughs> yep. Still a red tail. Uh, you know, it's, it's like they're, they're names. They're common names. We made that shit up anyways. And we're just, at this point, we're just trying to all agree on what imaginary name we want to all call the same thing. Um, but if you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. So I, I saw the other day in a, a U.S. based group, somebody posted a, one of the rat snakes. And Terry Herring got on there and was like, nope, some dummy wrote a book and this is the new taxonomy <laughs> on it. So that's what we have to call it. According to these people. <laughs> uh, I like, I like that. I, I agree. Yeah. Uh, Ashley, how said emeralds have crazy teeth. Oh yeah. No. And she says brains are unable to, uh, basins, basins. Basins. I, I have cameras in my way. Basins are <laughs> unable to be imported. Northerns are. So it's scarce. Ah, that makes sense. Does make sense. Uh, that's because I'm, I'm assuming basins are out. You can't import stuff out of Brazil, right? That's Brazil shuts down importation. Yeah, uh, now, just, that would make sense. Why they're more costly as well? Just ask Jeremy mm-hmm. Stone and his solid white boa. You're not supposed to import stuff out of Brazil. That's how you oh, get boy. in trouble. But uh, yeah, you know, the teeth on an emerald scares the ever-loving shit out of me. Yeah, me too. And uh, I say that I, I own rainbows, and it wasn't until years into owning my male rainbow that I realized. They have teeth like that too, like not not as massive, but like you see a rainbow, and you're like that thing lives on the ground, right? So it's got like bo- like boa teeth. First time my rainbow yawned, I was like, why the fuck does it have teeth that big? It doesn't, it doesn't need teeth that big. And I luckily have never been tagged by a full grown rainbow, but it would suck. It, yeah, I you know, and especially if it hits you in the right spot, it could do some real damage. Yeah, and then you always, see, that's, but that's the problem with emeralds. Every picture you end up seeing an emerald is like an emerald yawning online. It's like. It's just showing you what damage they can do. Because they're like, let's make a picture of these giant teeth. <laughs> but, uh, so, Corey, let's let's talk about what did, yeah. what else did you find in, in South America? 
Yeah, so lots and lots and lots of frogs. Lots of frogs. Um, we Don't lick found... the frogs. What? Don't lick the frogs. You know what? Yeah, you know what? Blake, um, <laughs> Blake's like, wait, if you lick this, you get high? I think, I think at one point, Blake, like, he was holding one and then touched his mouth and it started getting, like, swelling or something. And, you know, of course not good. Did. Yeah, and I'm going to go, um, in air quotes, on accident. On accident. Yeah. What? <laughs> um yeah no so we saw lots of frogs um we saw so we saw a a lance head that someone in the village caught but it was in the process of dying by the time we got to see it and it was dead um you know and so that's you know that kind of thing is always is always the bummer um we saw a um a worm snake oh, i believe cool. yeah that was really neat um not a ton of snakes but like your trip um, to africa not a ton of snakes also not a ton of snakes in africa when when we went there um, Corey goes back to america there's not a lot of snakes in africa and south america there's just, there's just no snakes i don't know go figure i'm going to uh, west texas <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> No, so um, we I, we saw monkeys a few times. That was just Blake. Um, and that, was, that was really neat. We saw pathogens and we saw squirrel monkeys. Um, trying to think in terms of reptiles, what else we saw? Did you see caiman or anything? Um, no, we did not see oh, any caiman. That sucks. That'd be cool. Yeah. So how often yeah. did it cross your mind uh, the fear of when you're walking through the jungle that you could get bit by a lance head at any moment? Um, every minute, like, <laughs> because there's, you know, there's like that thick leaf litter cover everywhere and you just like, like, you know, trying to like walk over to find a, a bathroom spot or something. And you're just like praying that you're not like squatting over a spot where Lance had decided to hang out. God, what a horrible way to die. There, you know, I watched a herbing video a while back where they found they were in the jungles down in central america somewhere and they found a snake and he squatted down to look at it and realized that there was a bushmaster between his legs uh, wow. like a baby bushmaster and he very well, was, gingerly wish- moved away and and managed to not get bit well that was one of my favorite one of my favorite shots or scenes from any crocodile hunter episode when he's in north america and he's like looking he's like on the rocks looking for rattlesnakes and he's kneeled down looking at something and all of a sudden he hears rattling and you see him go from like steve Irwin to steve Irwin. Yeah, and he realized right below his crotch, right there, was the rattlesnake, and so you see him move away and then go back into like TV yeah. mode. But that was the moment he goes, "Oh shit!" <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, not not as many snakes. We were hoping to find bushmasters. Um, you saw but, parrots. No, uh, did see parrots, um, but yeah, lots of lots of different birds. That's lots of different birds. Um. Lots of bugs, particularly of the mosquito <laughs> variety. So this, this was an interesting thing. So Africa, the, there were lots and lots of different big bugs everywhere. In um, the areas of the Amazon rainforest where we were, we didn't see a huge amount of bugs other than mosquitoes and cockroaches. Do you get like to like the village and just wonder how the hell they live there and they don't get bitten? it's amazing i don't know i don't know how they how they do it if they're all sleeping with like they must have all had mosquito nets or something but i did not get a mosquito net so yeah i was i I don't know how they weren't all bit up all the time 
Bet Corey, what was what was it in Africa that you said you took the wrong malaria medicine? Um, yeah. So, or is that in Peru? So in well, I didn't. I I took so I I the medicine that I took in um in Africa made me really sick. So I spent the first. I spent the first day there throwing up. That was not not what I wanted to be doing. It wasn't um, mal- malarone. No, like- it was doxycycline, um, <laughs> and they okay. told me to eat it on, to take it on an empty stomach, and that didn't work so well. That's, so, that's a horrible malaria medicine, anyway. Yeah, <laughs> I, they, you're, my, you're lucky you didn't die, Corey. <laughs> I know. The second time, um, I took something different, and I don't remember what it was. It had it's like a hyphenated name. Hmm. Um, anyway, it was, that one was much better. Um, but I think I was the only one who even took malaria meds. So. <laughs> like, I think at this point, Blake's like, if I'm going to die, I'm going to die. Pretty much. That's why I, I, I took, a, I took a satellite phone with me just in case. Cause I was like, that is not my philosophy. <laughs> I'm paying for helicopter rescue insurance. So Corey, you, you had to get all the African shots, right? I did. Yeah. So yeah, that's, yeah. I've I been got, to a couple times. And yeah, that's a, that's a beat down. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah, we saw a lot of monitors when we were in, um, Africa. So that was really cool. I was going to say, if you saw a lot of monitors in South America, that'd have been amazing. No, we did not. We did not see (laughs) monitors, you know, but we saw several lizards too. Um, in, in, that's what the other thing we saw a lot of, um, in the Amazon, Lots of number of different kinds of lizards, like, but um, yeah, it was it was it was interesting. It was um, definitely, you know, your your stereotypical idea of going to the Amazon. You're thinking that there's just like animals everywhere, and it wasn't quite that lush. Um, and I don't know if it was just the season or what, but um, yeah, the the canopy is so high that it was really hard finding snakes. Really, that would suck. Yep. I, uh, so I'm, I'm hoping to go on a cruise in October and one of the stops is in the Yucatan. Yeah. And, and when I looked at it, the port right across from the road is all wildlife refuge. Oh, nice. So I need to find somebody down there in the Yucatan willing to pick me up and just drive me to a jungle. So when Rachel find went shit. on her, one of her cruises last year, um, they went, I guess they were in Belize. They drove like three hours into the jungle to do the zip lining. Yeah. And she said it was yeah. like, she was just like, can we just stop here and go walk around? That's the thing. I don't, want, I don't want to do any excursions. Right. I just want to find someone that lives there that will like take me and a snake hook to the jungle and be like, all right, here's the jungle. I just want to go see if I can find something. So well, I've got to be with you on that. I know. Course, I got till October to try and find somebody in the Yucatan that will just take me. I saw. To the so we went to um, Cozumel last year. And I saw several crocodiles in Cozumel, so really? that was really neat. So we went on a cruise two years ago or three years ago, and I saw the one cool thing I saw was a big iguana in, uh, mm, mm, I should know, it was, it was Cozumel. I mean, it was a mm-hmm. little big black spiny iguanas, I think is what it's called. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like we're sitting at a restaurant, and then just like right there like a pigeon. It's on the fucking sidewalk yep. just walking. I'm like, this is amazing. What I Back home, we have pigeons. That's not cool. This is an iguana sitting next to me. Yep. Also, ate at a place where in I think uh, was it? Do we have Jamaica? I don't know where we went I, at this point. I don't know. It was an island, but like there were tarpon, like right off the thing, like massive tarpon just swimming along the pier, and like this is amazing. 
I, I, we we don't have as cool stuff. And I get it. People are like, well, you went somewhere else. It's it's cooler there than it. But no, we don't have as cool stuff as other parts of the world. Like we, we have safe stuff. We're a fairly safe country. You know, black bears, coyotes, cougars. Those those are other places have tigers and lions and you know things that yeah. like, or snakes that can like kill you just by staring at you. That, that kind of shit. We have you know coral snakes who look cute and you can just poke them when they go away. Like that's we don't have the really cool deadly stuff and I want to go find that stuff. But I don't want to die. That's the only thing is I don't want to go there and die. Like, you know, it it would suck like when you came up on those elephants. I I would be horrified to just randomly walk up on elephants. Oh my god. So that was the, that was the biggest difference herping in the two places when you're when you're herping somewhere where there are like things other than snakes that could literally kill you. Um it's a whole different thing. Yeah. <laughs> And we were blissfully naive to how dangerous it was the first few days until we actually saw the elephants and we're like, oh, shit. (laughs) This is Africa. Fuck, I forgot these things are here. Yeah. Screw screw the elephants. I would be mortified with the leopards. Yeah. Yeah. The leopards will fuck you up. Find me dead in a tree eaten by a leopard. Yeah. Yeah. Because you talk about never saw it coming. Yeah, we were walking through grass almost like up to our head and stuff. I mean, there could have been one anywhere. It was, we had a guy with a gun who went everywhere with us. <laughs> yeah, I'll but, tell you, I'll tell you that guy with the gun, you know, I went to, I went to Kruger, South Africa. Oh, wow. Probably a decade ago or longer. Two weeks before we got there, a night guard with a gun was killed by a leopard. Get out. Damn. Wow. Yes. Yeah, so, Leopards don't care if you got a gun. Yeah. <laughs> you, 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 wow. That gun, you, you might as well have a knife. Yeah. You know? I mean, because you'll never, especially at night, you'll never yeah. see him coming. See, the yeah. worst thing about here, if I go herping, I run into an angry raccoon or possum, and then I just kick it. Like, yeah. there's not, that's it. Because I'm not, I'm not afraid of it killing me. Or the random redneck that stops with, what are y'all doing out here? That's, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that, that does that scare might be, me. That, that might be the scariest animal. <laughs> yeah. That, that one happens to us just about every time. <laughs> but you, you think about it, you go her- anywhere else on earth where we really want to go herping, you can't just look for the things you're looking for. You have to look for everything else that could be looking yeah. for you. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I want to go through a few things that got posted on our discussion group this week. One was an interesting one. It was uh, in Georgia at a, at a, at like a wildlife refuge area. There was a gopher tortoise hole. Inside the gopher tortoise hole was a four and a half foot alligator. I saw that. Like, they look down in the gopher tortoise hole, and there's a four and a half foot alligator sitting there staring at them. I'm like, yeah, you don't expect that. So just imagine going around and going, hey, go stick the snake hook down in that hole to see if there's like a rattlesnake, and then just an alligator comes out after you. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Uh, that got posted twice. Apparently, Drew Schultz always thought, also thought it was interesting. <laughs> uh, Travis posted, Travis Wyman posted anything. It was a, um, it was a crab living inside of a, I can almost fuck this name up. Nepenthes ampulla is a pitcher plant, but it was a crab living inside the water inside the pitcher plant. And I've seen some stuff like this where there's insects that actually live down in there and they'll eat the insects that get trapped. And then the waste that's left is what the pitcher plant survives off of. That's bizarre. I've never heard of that. Yeah. So instead of like finding a body of water, this crab just now lives in the liquid inside of this pitcher plant and then eats whatever comes to the pitcher plant, which was, which was odd. Um, oh, another one was a, a video that I found of a salamander walking through the snow, like covered in snow, like it had just come out. Oh, I saw that one. Covered in snow, walking through the snow. 
not very fast. It was moving pretty slow, but you don't you just don't think of that. Like you think, oh, if that salamander's out in the snow, it's gonna die. And this one's just like roaming around while it's actively snowing. So where was that? Where was that? Do you know? Uh, it was a spotted salamander in Shindigan Hollow State Forest. Uh, somewhere with ice. I don't know where that's at. Doesn't give me a uh, New York. It looks like it says New York. So, oh, another one I found was uh, a boa constrictor that had tried to eat a porcupine. Oh God! It, and it had the, the all the quills all down its body. And I'm just oh like, my God. that's not coming out with a shed. That's not no. Or <laughs> soak, just soak it. Somebody just sent me a video. <laughs> Raise the temperature. One of my friends just sent me a video <laughs> on a, on Instagram of. A, it looks like an African rock python that tried to eat a mongoose, and the, all the rest of the oh, mongoose <laughs> came out to defend. No, that would be Indian. A mongoose would be Indian. Oh, Indian, yeah. Oh, and uh, it is not going weird. well for the python. <laughs> wow, Pick the wrong fight. Yeah. Mm. Oh, um, trying to see what else there was. There's some other interesting things that got posted this week. Oh, you posted one today from was a police was a local police station the snake on the beach yeah one of our local police departments um down on the beach small town sent one of their officers out and killed a uh western diamondback and then you know the person who lived there who also works for the city posted a picture about what a wonderful morning it was one less snake in the world or something like that so i tagged the police department and was like hey let's talk about this um, you know, it's 2023 with the instant access to information and services that you guys have. There's, there's two people in that live in Surfside that will go re, re, uh, relocate these snakes. And I got a couple of people together and, and got a couple of sets of stony tongues and a couple of snake hooks and a couple of venomous buckets donated. And nice. I'm just waiting to hear back from their police chief to, uh, and I have someone that has volunteered to go train them on how to safely relocate because they get a lot of rattlesnakes on the beach down there because of the, you know, the dunes are full of the cotton rats and, yeah. and, uh, so hopefully we can change, change their mind a little bit on that and maybe save a few snakes. Neat. Very cool. Uh, someone else posted this in our group, but I also found this one too. Um, the title alone on this Yahoo answers thing was, uh, this person was uh, in the market for a frog. The title was, where can I buy a frog? And in parentheses, not for sexual reasons. <laughs> Why does that need to be said? What? <laughs> Again, it's 2023. That ne- never it- crossed my mind when someone was looking for a frog. What was it Blake? Say- <laughs> was that Blake? <laughs> <laughs> it would not say not for sexual reasons. Good point. Good point. Uh, That's so weird. Yeah, you're like... It's like when you see warning labels, you're like, what had to happen to get that warning label? What happened? Were they at one point looking for a frog for sexual reasons? They just want people to know this is not that time. I don't need it for sexual <laughs> reasons kind of this time. <laughs> not that kind of frog. And which frog do you look for for sexual reasons? Which one is like, what's, are you looking for the sexy frog? Like, what is the. Don't get like, bird poop frog. <laughs> I know. I just read, I saw that and I was like, okay, I'm just too vanilla. I don't understand any of this. Darren Watson is in the chat that frogs are the new gerbils. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, got to make sure it's the right frog or else it'll be a bad day. Uh, This was an interesting video from uh, 
from Snake Road, which I thought was cool. It was it was they stopped counting after they counted thirty cottonmouths walking down this road. And uh, amazingly, we had a couple nights like that around here. But amazingly, not a single one of these cottonmouths chased them. I know they're broken. Weird. They're Figure. over thirty of them, and not a single one thought to chase them. I don't know what was going on there. They just all silently screamed. That's what the caption says. <laughs> and now I can't see it any other way. <laughs> it's like you just like you're watching it on mute, apparently, and it's yeah. just them screaming. When yeah. uh, this was a, a scary one. There was a tiger. I don't know if they've, I haven't seen an update on it yet, but there was a tiger missing in Georgia after a tornado touchdown mm-hmm. uh, near a safari. Let's find out. Uh, yeah. So see if anybody's been eaten. That's, that could be interesting. But uh, <clears throat> you think about that in, in Texas, there's so many tigers in well, Texas. After Hurricane Harvey here, when we had all the really bad flooding, there were some people out trying to walk and check their neighborhood. Oh, yeah. I remember that. There was here a comes tiger. a tiger out. It's like, hey, y'all. And like came up and jumped up and put its paws on the guy's shoulder. And well, started licking it, like licked his face. I'd shit myself. Apparently, it was someone's pet that had gotten out. It was super friendly and super tame. So they literally like put a dog leash around its neck and led it back to their house and put it in a room and called and got somebody to come get it. And it ended up, uh, they found the owner and it was being kept illegally. And they Wait, took it. It sounds just like the hangover. Was, yeah. was it Mike, was it Mike Tyson? <laughs> Mike Tyson's Tyson's I mean, almost the same, but I remember watching that on the news going, holy shit, that could have gone completely the opposite way. Very quickly. Oh, yeah. oh yep. if they come to get the tiger afterwards, they're like, did it shit in your house? What's that smell? No, that's me. I, yeah. I shit myself. It was, it was like yeah. a half-grown tiger. Had it been a full-grown tiger. I would have had a half-grown shit then, but still, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't matter. Uh, two tigers briefly misting after Georgia Zoo. Okay, they found. Tornado. Okay. There's two tigers. Yeah. Damn. Both, that both. shit happened uh, in Houston, too. Yeah. They walked the big, right out uh, the front yard. Yeah, the big uh, hurricane that uh, decimated Houston a few years back. That's what I'm talking about. That was Hurricane oh. Harvey. But there was another one. Oh, right? Harvey, we had Harvey. another one here like a year and a half, two, two years, years ago, ago, where they it just walked out somebody's front door across the street where these kids are having a birthday party. And the <laughs> guy walks out and like starts leading it back into his house. And then he puts it in the backseat of a Nissan Altima and drives off. <laughs> and uh, come to find out, he was out on bond for a murder out of Fort Bend County. He's trying to hide uh, the body of this tiger. I, yeah. I, I'd say only in Texas, but there's Oklahoma too. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Oh, so I found this one because I was actually watching another video. It was a uh, true or false. And they were asked questions about Mississippi. And this question was asked about Mississippi and it was false. But I found out this is true in Kentucky. Uh, the law states that any person who displays, handles, or uses any kind of reptile in connection with any religious service or gathering shall be fined not less than $50 nor more than $100. So I was like, that, that's an interesting one. Now, granted, that's an area where there's a lot of snake handle and Pentecostals. And, that uh, doesn't seem super constitutional to me. But. No. But They're really no, trying that to- definitely seems like an infringement of the separation of church. <laughs> Really trying to make a point with that fifty to hundred dollars yeah, fine, though, aren't they? It's yeah. fifty bucks. Turn it around the collection plate. We're going to pay for it this time. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, well, I mean, because you had the was it in Tennessee or North Carolina? There was the the one preacher who died from a snake bite, mm-hmm. and then and then his son died from a snake. His son was a preacher, and he died from a snake bite. And you're like, huh? Yeah. Write a passage. <laughs> yep. Keep it in the family. Well, they probably did before that too. Uh, oh boy, Robert, you wow, posted. Wow, been there. Oh boy, you posted one from Reptile Garden of a baby albino gaboon viper, and that extremely. Quick oh, that strike. was beautiful. But wow, 
they said that what did they what did they say the strike was like 0.25 milliseconds yeah and a thousand milliseconds is a second so 250 milliseconds yeah so yeah mm. and one second being a thousand milliseconds so less jesus a quarter of a second it took it to strike that's wow. insane wow. i still i still want a good boom viper that doesn't scare me away from it i mean i wouldn't <laughs> i wouldn't be keeping it in a tub that i could get, that I could open and get bit from so it'd be a little different um oh were you the one i was supposed to oh no ryan gossel posted this from omaha henry do uh dorley zoo it was parentes it was a group of parentes mm-hmm. i was like that's freaking awesome they're babies that they raised up there hatched eight, raised up there eight parenti oh, wow. hatchlings are now 22 inches long and weigh 135.5 grams i was like that's awesome parentes are a really cool one yeah parentes are so cool so those are things that got posted over in our group that some interesting things got posted over there but uh so yeah, just uh, know that you can't take snakes into a church in Kentucky, and <laughs> someone's out there looking for frogs if you can hook them up. But not for sexual reasons. Not for sexual. Right. Keep your sexual frogs yourself. They don't need them this time. Swipe left. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. <sighs> I think. Well, I mean, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Brian again this week because there's yeah. been some new, new um, developments in his. Go ahead. His illness, I guess. Uh, I, have, I haven't watched his last couple of videos, but I watched one Thursday or Friday last week. This is Brian Barczyk. Brian Barczyk. Barczyk. They told him that it's inoperable, that the cancer is inoperable. And uh, I mean, he sounded sounded like he was taking it as well as you could expect. But uh, like we said before, no matter how you feel about the guy yeah. and things that's happened in the past, he's still a human being. And he's still been a big influence for people coming into this hobby and you know, I would never wish what he's going through on my worst enemy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sucks. So, but they are, I wonder where they're at now. They're trying to raise money to finish the, uh, they're going to call it the Legacy Aquarium. Because he had already spent about half a million dollars on it. And had a million of his own money left. But was getting a loan from the bank for the two and a half million. But of course, when the bank found out that he has terminal cancer, they're like, well, we really can't give you two and a half million dollars anymore. And he would have to spend almost that whole million that he has left just to get it back into sellable condition. So he's wanting to leave that, you know, for his wife yeah. and his family as part of his legacy. Last I checked, the first day they were already at like $170,000. That's good. I, That's amazing. I honestly haven't watched since he started building the aquarium. I may go find a video at some point and watch that. Uh, but uh, yeah. I got I, to, uh, I got to tour that facility very early. Uh, the last October Tinley, after Tinley, a few of us went to Brian's place, visited the Reptarium, and we got to see the leg, what's now going to be the Legacy Aquarium. Uh-huh. And it's essentially, it's a huge, um, what did it used to be? A, not a dollar store, but it was a, like a giant, like a Walmart or something like that. And uh, it was, when we saw it, completely gutted. I mean, it, just it looked terrible. So I can see the amount of money that would have to go into a place that size. It's absolutely massive. It's, it's the reptarium times ten or twenty. Wow! Is it is and it nearby not, the reptarium? It's directly across the street. Gotcha. Literally, you know, across a uh, across the street and 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 you're into the parking lot, and then it's a giant parking lot. It used to be a what was it called? Bigs a lot or some something Big a lot. Big lots. Big lots. 
It used to be a big lot. Oh, wow. So the yeah, parking so lot's massive. The, the building's massive. And, uh, boy, wow. so much work to be done. Did he ever, I know at one point he was talking about building out the basement of the of the reptarium, which we used to be his, where all his animals were, but he's building it out as more reptarium zoo space. Did he ever build out the bottom of that? Is that, or did he go on to the aquarium? Um, you know, when I was there, the bottom of that, uh, I don't think it had undergone any significant changes. He still had a lot of animals there, and that's where they had built out their colubrid yeah. uh, area. It, they, they had a separate colubrid uh place there so but uh yeah you know i mean i just i i would just like to echo what you said uh i know brian well um you know he's just a few years younger than i am and when something like that happens to him you know i've had uh you know i've had some trouble dealing with it you know myself like you know i kind of look at him and go hey we're both relatively good shape Mm-hmm. for our age and um you know when something like that happens to somebody you know our age it really really makes you think like man i'm gonna go out today and just think how blessed i am you know yeah, yeah. katie came home today uh one of her students she taught back in louisiana um her mom was also a teacher and her mom passed last night she had a, a seizure in the bathtub and then drowned yeah. she drowned in the bathtub after that well you know my close friends know this, but back in 2011, I, I got diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And uh, the only reason I went and got tested at 31 years old is because one of my good friends had it, and I was at a benefit for him, and was just asking him, what made you get tested? And he starts telling me about these symptoms, and I'm going, uh, "Wow, yeah, I had wow. all of those. He's like, wow. go get tested for me. Wow. And I did, and the doctor said, if you'd have come a month ago, we might not have caught it. What what are the symptoms? Um, restless leg syndrome. Hmm. Um, there a bunch of them. Um, constant just fatigue because and at then I was thirty one. You know, yeah, twelve years ago I was in a little better shape than I am now. Um, I had um, some some different things that were growing that were weird. Gotcha. Uh, which I'm experiencing again, as you know. Um, so there was just several little things that he was telling me and they were like lining up. Hmm. And that was the whole reason that I went is because of wow. course, and he survived and I survived and he was stage four when he got diagnosed and beat it and has been cancer free for 10 plus years now. Um, he, he was truly a, a miracle. Crazy. But, um, I mean, my wife, um, the people that she's working for now, the lady's 40 and has stage four, can- um, kind of a lung cancer. Never been a smoker. She's a she's a nurse practitioner who teaches nurses. She's a professor at a nursing school, and two small kids. You know, you just never know. Um, That's wild. Well, yeah, like yeah. I said, I've talked before. My my sister in law yeah. passing away last year. Yeah, of just an aneurysm, a headache. Yeah, had a headache for a couple of days, and then aneurysm died. Yeah, and left uh-huh. behind at three what, young kids. Thirty, thirty one. Yeah. So All right, well, you we know, just... <laughs> you know, I, I will say one one thing and maybe finish it with this brian was very um instrumental and very forward with the fact that he did not have life insurance yes i was gonna say that so he was very emphatic if you are a young person or if you have a family mm-hmm. get fucking life insurance yeah. yep it's so, life insurance is not expensive it's so cheap 
it takes one day, especially now, I'm sure you can do everything online, get $200,000, get a million dollars in life insurance. If you're young and you're healthy, it's so cheap and it will, it, it could change not your life, but it could change your family's life. Yeah. That's really, really good advice. Well, like he said in the video, he's relatively young. It was in good health up until the minute he wasn't. Yep. And now it's too late to get life insurance because they're not, you know, they're not going to yep. give it to him at this point. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, hmm. it's, uh, it's scary, man. Life is, life is short. I agree. Uh, one other thing that's happening in the hobby that's not death related. Uh, there is new ownership and CEO of Morph Market. Yep. John Lehman uh, is no longer, yeah. uh, I say no longer in charge. I'm sure he's involved. He said he's um, so so involved. involved. Yep. Um, but John Lehman is now going to be able, I guess, to take vacations. Yeah. <laughs> so. I, I heard they I heard they sold that for a hundred million roaches. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that, is that true? Uh, I, you never know. I don't know. I'd have to do the conversion on that. How, what right. is that into rats I'd, and then into mice and then into money? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but. So yeah, that it'll be congratulations to John. John to Dallas, absolutely. John's a Dallas guy, and yeah. you know I've known John since literally the months that he put Morph Market together. Um, he contacted me not too long after they got ball pythons going about green trees. Oh, we just lost Corey. Oh no! Hi, Corey. <laughs> uh, love you. She got, She'll come back. Her computer got COVID. And, um, you know, he wanted to talk about getting carpet pythons. At the time, I was I was big into um, producing carpet pythons uh, and green tree pythons in a morph market. And I said, carpet pythons, go for it. You know, let, let's do it. Let's get the uh, let's get the localities. Let's get the, you know, because at the time, like a jaguar was a big genetic deal, you know, a carpet python. Let's get that going. I go, but leave the green trees alone for a while. You know, just not. No, let, let, let's just leave it alone for a while. Because uh, I, I knew what he would get there. Well, it's interesting what he's done with that. So we talked forums earlier, right? And anybody that was around knows Kingsnake Forum, and they used to have, and I guess they oh, still yeah. do, but they used to have yeah. their classified section on there. Oh, yeah. That, that, that was how you sold stuff. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's funny. This is what happens when you don't evolve with the hobby, because Kingsnake, if you go to the website now, looks exactly the same as it did then (laughs) right and the classified section is exactly the same as it was then i haven't been there in five or six years don't worry you didn't miss anything it was the way you left it uh and so what john layman did with morph market it really looks it looks exactly it is like a red and white 98 is that right website oh man it's but uh what john layman did with morph market it really changed the hobby uh we've talked about before when you go to a show and vendors like how much should I price this? Used to be, well, so and so has it on his table. So, but now it's just check Morph Market. What's the price Dude, on Morph I Market? And I know it's awesome. It's it's amazing. It's a great it's a great story. You know, I mean, I just I love to see that. I love to see it for the reptile community, and I love to see it just for small business. Yeah, I agree. So, uh, but that was a big. Those are some big things that happened this week in the hobby. Uh, I guess Corey, I don't know. She may or may if she doesn't come back. Uh, Check out Corey Martin's reptiles on Facebook. Uh, she'll have maybe monitors for sale soon because she's now become the monitor queen. Uh, and then blackhead pythons at some point, I'm sure. And she won't have green trees because she only has girls, apparently. So we're gonna. 
I'm going to fix that. <laughs> Help her out. Make her realize she needs a male to fix that problem. I'm going to fix that for her. Um, I was trying to see. Oh, the ready said that's actually how they met Sean was through King Snake. I met several people through King Snake. Oh, there's course she's sorry. Her computer decided to shut down and run updates. Oh, <laughs> so she'll, that's, she's done for. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I met several people through Kingsnake before I ever met them in person. Like, so we had Kai Fan on earlier this year, or last year, whatever it was. I've never met him in person, but I've known him since Facebook or since Kingsnake. I don't know, fifteen years ago. Yeah. Wow. Uh, it's 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 a weird thing. But all right, Bill. If people want to get a hold of you and ask you all sorts of crazy questions about why your snakes are so expensive and why they bite, uh, <laughs> how can how can they get a hold of you? I'm more likely to bite than the snakes. <laughs> But, um, so my Instagram is phoenix.reptiles, my Facebook, I've got a, a Phoenix Reptiles Facebook, but I'm more active on my personal page, which is just Bill Stiegel. Those are probably the best ways to reach out to me. Sorry, I got to text Katie about bringing me home food. Robert, tell him I didn't get a hold of you. <laughs> uh, lsreptileracks.com is the best way. Um, just click on the contact me and send me an email. Pretty simple. Yes, or check or out at a any herb show. show. Yeah, except for Oklahoma City. Except for, because no one's going to Oklahoma. Who wants to go to Oklahoma? Uh, um, in fact, I'm going to be in Oklahoma. I'm the sorry. only herb show, the only herb show I'm vending in 2023 is going to be Oklahoma. I'm so sorry. You'll be there. In, was that July? Yeah. Yep. You, you have fun in Oklahoma. I'm not making. Love that, Oklahoma. Not making you that. Got some also, a lot shorter drive for him. It is a lot shorter <laughs> drive for him. <laughs> and I've got family there. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, uh, won't be selling warm booth there anymore. <laughs> oh no he's off in virginia now yep. yeah that's true that's true uh lee reddy said he just got his lone star rack this weekend and it's awesome that's right he bought a, a nice. one of the 40 breeder cages okay those 40 breeder cages whoever came up with that idea was a genius yeah i think whoever, it was john grant fuck that it was me i'm taking the credit <laughs> for uh if you want to get a hold of us it's the reptile gumbo podcast on instagram facebook and at gmail.com also Pay attention to Facebook this week and also the show next week. We will be talking about our giveaways for April. Uh, again, we're giving away a Herbstat thermostat thanks to Colossal Constrictors. Looking forward to that. Plus, uh, they told me they're throwing in another pizza party for the crew of Reptile Gumbo Podcast at some point. So I'm getting free pizza at some point. Cool. So y'all y'all get a thermostat and we get pizza. Darren, that's when we're going to have the Red Tail Hawk. Trying to get Hayden nailed down is like trying to herd cats. <laughs> yeah. Um, she has a lot going on. We'll get her here eventually. And, and then we'll bring her hawk will be right here somewhere. She might bring her kestrel, too. You never know. Her crazy kestrel. That's right. Yeah. She got a kestrel now. Um, and then when we finally get our chameleon, I'm seriously going to put it like right here in front of the camera. I think you should like just put a stick there. Just and stick there and see if it'll hang out. Or you, or you could get a green tree and put <laughs> just, it on a stick there. That's true. Yeah. Get a green, we'll just, each week, we'll trade out for animals that there don't move. Uh, <laughs> but, Bill, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you. Uh, if, if you'll hang out a minute as we log off. Goodbye to everybody. Thank y'all for watching. We'll be back next week. Uh, I do have a guest lined up for next week, so that's not a question. I'm not telling anybody. I don't want to jinx it, but there is a guest lined up for next week. Um, And we'll be back next week. Again, use code uh, GUMBO22 on VivTech. Just got to throw that out there again. Go buy some bulbs, folks. Get us some money there. Definitely. (laughs) Good night. See y'all all next week. Thank you, guys.